It's time for Windows Weekly. Paul Thorat's here. Richard Campbell's here. We got roadmaps to talk about. The Windows 11 LTSC, long awaited, is finally here. We'll talk about the Week D preview updates. And now something new, the CFRs, Controlled Feature Rollouts. <laughs> Surface Duo, what happened to it? And yes, Microsoft still working to get a approval on that Activision deal. Signs yet another 10-year Xbox deal. All that and a whole lot more coming up next. It's time for Windows Weekly. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Windows Weekly with Paul Therott and Richard Campbell. Episode 827. Recorded Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023. It makes me fight. This episode of Windows Weekly is brought to you by Melissa. More than 10,000 clients worldwide rely on Melissa for full-spectrum data quality and ID verification software. Make sure your customer contacts data is up to date. Get started today with 1,000 records clean for free at melissa.com slash twits. It's time for Windows Weekly, the show where we talk about the latest news from Microsoft with Mr. Paul Therott, therott.com. Hello, Leo. Get the cup, and you'll yeah. never... So satisfying. <laughs> never be something again. Hello, Paul. Also Hello. here, still briefly, in his home in beautiful Coquitlam, British Columbia, Mr. Richard Campbell of Runners Radio fame. Hello, Richard. Ah, the peaceful times at home are coming to an end. I be hear, a, a European run. I hear you're going to the low country. I am, yeah. Going to do a little run across the Benelux and uh, be back in a couple of weeks. But right. run, run across the Benelux, which is, by sure. the way, the best way to do it. Like it the is, Germans it in low, 1940. Oh, I like the Germans. That's not your final stop. It's that's called it. it's just Krieg. passing through. Uh, no, enough. Enough. Sorry, sorry. Let's. Uh, I, love that. I love love that area. I love yeah. all of No, that. it is. Yeah, it's great. great. Yeah. yeah. How's your Flemish? That's a good. Yeah. But have I been invited to two different dinners primarily because I'm going to be picking the wine? Yes. Yes, oh, I have. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. 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 You'll pick indeed. the wine, right? Yeah, I'll pick the wine. So you have wine expertise as well. I did not know uh, that. No, I'm, you know, professional alcoholic. <laughs> Expert. Expert. Not professional. Expert. Uh, when I professionalize that, I have been paid to drink in bars. That's when I consider myself yeah, professional. There you go. <laughs> Once the conference said, "Listen, you know, we're paying you. We need you to go to this bar, select whiskey for the for the speakers, and tell stories." Wow, I'm, like, I'm a professional alcoholic. Like, uh, that's, that that's makes what I it cross to, the line. Yeah, I like it. Wow. Well, let's talk about uh, what. Well, whatever's on your mind. I guess uh, it looks like roadmaps are on your mind. And not roadmaps yeah. of Benelux. <laughs> no, no. Your Thompson's Guide to Windows. <laughs> well, yeah, right. The um, yeah, the Michelin Guide to Eastern Eastern Germany or East Germany or whatever. Um, yeah. So we have been sort of speculating about this for a while, but Microsoft finally put out a roadmap this past week where they discussed kind of the end how Windows 10 winds down and also how Windows 11 kind of winds up, if you will. Right. So. The thing we had talked about was that Microsoft has never released an LTS C version of Windows 11. That's the long-term servicing channel version. 
Um, technically, LTSC is actually for kind of what Microsoft calls specialty devices, meaning PCs that maybe are in medical or in some location where they they literally don't want to ever be updated. Um, but I think a lot of enterprises just like to use LTSC, <laughs> you know, just like get a, a version on they don't have to update. Uh, they're yeah, LTSC is an excuse to not migrate, right? Yeah. Like it's like, yeah. I'm not going to talk about your, I'm not going to concern myself with a product till I know I can stand it for a extended period of time. And I don't know why you went with like uh, PCs, like it's ATMs you're talking about. That's yeah, still, although that's still XP, but a Windows 11 version of an ATM would be hilarious. Well, yeah. So actually I, I have to say I'm a little vague on some stuff with LTSC because there are, in some ways, three different versions. There's, there are versions that are supported for five years. There are versions that are supported for 10 years. And then there are IoT versions, which I believe are also supported for 10 years. Um, and I don't know if the ATM use case is IoT or just standard Windows 11. Well, you know, it predates uh, all of that, really. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, they're making this stuff as they go along. I think it's more what will the customer tolerate? Yeah. They keep trying to make it a shorter amount of time. And there's a good case for that, right? right like right. these well, things do need to be updated. There are vulnerabilities, yeah. but nobody wants it. You know, we, like, uh, yeah, th there's an ongoing discussion that we've been having here that I have on my site that we're going to have here yet again today, which is about that. Oh, so delicate balance between, uh, Microsoft wanting to update your computer all of the time. And some people, and certainly most companies, wanting to never update their computer. Uh, and this is kind of a, we'll talk about this in a little while, but uh, yes, I, I was a little worried. Well, worried is the wrong term. I was wondering what they were going to do about LTSC. Was they, were they going to try to get rid of this for windows 11? And I, so the answer is no. I'm, I began to wonder if they were going to try this time and then decided mm -hmm. not to. Yeah. Like, well, they might just, they might just say, uh, you know, for windows 11, it's five years. Right. And you know, we'll see. We, we, yeah. There are no details about it. We just know that it's going to arrive in the second half of 2024, meaning it will be 22, I'm sorry, 24H2. Um, I believe there are two LTSC versions of Windows 10 currently supported 2019 and 2022, probably. And, and the fact that you just said those words speaks volumes of what went wrong with the whole Windows 10 is the last version of Windows thing, right? <laughs> yes, yes. You're referring to two versions of Windows 10. Well, that's the, uh, the irony slash hypocrisy of Windows 10. We want to have as few versions of Windows supported in the market at one time. Yep. And we have created a situation we have where we have the most ever. The most ever. Well, and, <laughs> yeah. in, and at the same time, you also have that force of how do I shake up the dev team inside of windows to get with these more fast moving practices that they just had never needed to do before. Yep. You know, yeah. They, and yeah, yeah. It's just, this is part of our lives of being affected by the politics inside of Microsoft showing up in this product that we all ultimately depend on. That's right. Yeah. That's actually, uh, that's a good point. I mean, we've talked about this before, but one of the big things that switched over the windows 10 life cycle was this notion of pulling a developer APIs, out of windows yeah. and making them just support all supported versions of windows, right? This is the windows app SDK stuff. When I think it was, that was a revelation inside of Microsoft too, because yep. up until then you only put stuff into windows. You never took it out. Right. Right. <laughs> right. But, uh, but it was a, a byproduct of the windows as a service thing that I think no one saw coming or mm -hmm. at least no one important enough to make a decision. And when that situation arrived that we just described where they had more supported versions of windows in the market than ever before, uh, the bell went off and they kind of, yeah. you know, you've done the opposite of what you intended to do yep. and you frustrated your customers, 
you know, you, actually they frustrated more people ever before. The devs were annoyed because they couldn't get the version they needed to run their apps. The IT people were annoyed because why are the devs wanting us to operate, update the OS? <laughs> yep. The users annoyed because I saw this feature on this guy's machine, but not on that guy's machine, right? And yeah. let's not even talk about the search pill. Like, oh, we're going to... We are going to talk about the search <laughs> that's, that's the next big topic. It's coming up again. You thought I, you thought we were done. We're You're going to let it go. But no, this, you know, herein lies the why do people af- avoid updating Windows? Because right. sometimes the Windows guys go off the rails and do trivial things with update instead of what yeah. they were supposed to do, which is make keep our machines safe. So, gee, I wonder right. why we're irritable. Well, if you um, if you were irritated by the fact that your computer could not be upgraded to Windows 11, uh, we have some good news for you because uh, Microsoft <laughs> is no longer going to ship updates to Windows 10. Uh, Windows 10 version 22H2 is going to be the version they ride out into the sunset, allegedly yep. until October 2025. And what they promise is that we will, of course, deliver security updates every month, but we're not going to do any more feature updates. And I have to believe there was a huge part of the population out there, especially in the business side, uh, that are saying, yeah, thank you. That's what we've been asking for the, for the past eight years. Yes. So hey, um, <laughs> you're going to make Windows 10 yeah. correctly now? Or right? Yeah, right, right, right <laughs> at the end. So I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. sure there are also some that went to Windows 11. They're saying, uh, hold on one second. What, what, what are you Can doing? Can I get there? one? I have yeah. one. So I, the, the way the, the Microsoft blog post about this was kind of interesting. It's like, hey, uh, you only have two and a half years now before you have to switch over. You might want to start your migration hours. I think a lot of businesses are thinking, wait a minute, I could ride this out for two and a half years. Yeah, this is uh, brilliant. That sounds pretty good to me. With a fairly good probability that you're going to extend the deadline anyway, because as you do with every popular version of Windows, right. because in the end, you guys may be, you know, quote unquote, leading the parade, but mostly it's because you run in front of us and keep walking. Right. Actually, you should turn around because the parade went left when you went right. Yeah, and they, um, <laughs> as they tend to do, right? I mean, yeah, they... Yeah. They, you look at how long they extended seven, and seven was good, but mm-hmm. it ain't no ten. Yeah. You know, ten is a very when you when you get over the madness of the versioning, ten's a very good version of Windows. And I see a yeah. lot of organizations yep. going, "Yeah, we're not going anywhere." And you haven't impressed us with eleven, right? Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, Microsoft, I, I, all these things are uh, kind of help put the whole situation in perspective a little bit. Um, you know, you could also argue, well, Microsoft now has. Uh, two years ish to get Windows 11 right, mm-hmm. you know, um, not really. I mean, obviously, businesses that are going to make this migration need to get started on that at least a year ahead of time, depending on the size, et cetera. But, um, you know, you, know, you, man, this, this is them a, a cynical man. And I don't know any in this room. A cynical man might say that most organizations will wait for Windows 12. Right. Well, so that's the other that's the one thing they didn't discuss in this roadmap. Right. So there's a lot of evidence that Windows 12 is coming. Uh, there's a lot of speculation about the timing to that, but I would imagine that 2024 is the time for that. 22, yep. you know, 24, 20, 24 H2, I guess. Um, so we'll see. I mean, if you, they waited until the last minute to announce Windows 11, I have to think they're not going to wait that long on Windows 12. But uh, if this really is the AI edition of Windows, as we kind of think of it, um, it would I think it would behoove them to start talking about it a little early. You know, I wouldn't wait until next summer. Well, and just again, I'm thinking the internal politics of Microsoft. If you don't get out the door with a version of Windows Mm -hmm. with your large language model features in it, M365 owns this. Like, yeah, they're already talking about Copilot. Sure. Sure. And the longer that goes, the less your thing's going to matter. So, and apparently the directive came from Satya, thou shalt make 
AI products in each of those stacks. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. This is so, um, yeah, in the same way that thou shalt make your product make sense in the cloud. Yeah. Was the previous edict. Um, I mean, yes, 100%. This is the, yeah. this is the gold. Movie. It's got, it's gotta be soon. And I'm just, you know, taking a fly here saying we're going to get an 18 to 24 month extension on retirement of, 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 of 10, as mm. we have with, again, popular versions of windows. And even then it'll be a $50 fee to stay in support for a year. The first on the first year out, yep. boy, oh boy, you've given me all the reasons not to go to 11. To, I, know. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to make a jump, go to 12. You have to think, I, I don't know what the timing is exactly, but let's say one year before the end of life, supposedly of this product, yeah. they look at the numbers and say, you know, we still have a lot of uh, desktops sitting here on Windows 10 still. This roadmap that we just discussed is going to be the thing that makes that happen. Yep. You know, it, it makes it much less uh, of a, an important thing to move to Windows 11, knowing now that this thing is going to be stable. Yeah, two, the next two and a half years, like uh, that doesn't make me want to leave. Yeah, that makes me want to stay. That makes me want to stay. And yeah. I have to. I mean, I I've never been in the room for this. I don't know that it's even really true. But it's like I can think of a half a dozen companies in this world that make a phone call to Microsoft and say, you yes. know, we're not going to be ready by 2025, and we need you guys to fix this. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I yeah I I yeah I mean, we'll see what they do. You know, Microsoft can be curiously belligerent sometimes, but. They did it for XP. They did it for seven. Now they, um, they're, they're like a black, a, a female black bear. They'll charge you, but they always turn away at this last second. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, that's something I hope to never experience. Um, <laughs> oh, it's a moment. I'll tell you. I mean, I've been, I mean, bullied by Microsoft and Twitter. I, I guess that's a little close to that. The key is to um, make loud noises and make yourself bigger than Windows. And yeah, you're, to you're totally right. Yeah. Sure. And you know, I, I find when the bear runs at you, not hard to make loud noises. You're highly motivated. <laughs> yeah. And whatever you do, don't run. Yeah. No, don't run. Uh, they yeah, can lean into you. it. Yeah. Look, he and wants that, to play. That's got to be hard. I saw a video on TikTok the other day of a family and a bear just kind right. of lumbering up behind them. And yeah. uh, the kid at one point, little kid says, when do we get to play dead? And I thought, uh, okay. that could be coming quicker than you want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. I wanted to ask you, and I don't see it in your notes, so maybe uh, mm -hmm. you don't think it's an important thing, but one of the rumors okay. that came out this week was that Microsoft was hiring uh, mm -hmm. chip designers to work on, you know, their version of oh. uh, an M1 or M2. We, uh, well, that I'm not sure about. We, when you were gone, we talked about Microsoft. There were two things that had come up. Um, Microsoft is adding MPUs to their future surface. Yeah. Products. I remember talking about that too. Yeah. Of course. Okay. And yeah. then uh, Microsoft is designing chips in-house to use in their data centers for the cloud computing. So, slash so this stuff. story is looking. No, no, this the, is, I think this is just more, more recent. Of that. I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. you got to remember Microsoft actually licenses Snapdragon chipsets and then I, I don't think they do much to them, honestly. They basically just rebrand them. I, this story, as I understand it, suggests that they want to uh, do more than just that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it came from a site I'd never heard of called Windows Latest. I don't know if that's... No, I've, oh, they're, no they're okay. They're okay. Yeah. They apparently um, found job listings uh, mm -hmm. suggesting Microsoft is in the market for a few key roles in silicon engineering to join yeah. its Microsoft Silicon team. The main hire being principal system-on-a-chip silicon architect... Yeah, so uh, that's just client side. Um, yeah, 
Responsible just, for know, building uh, complex, this is a quote from the posting, state-of-the-art SOCs using leading silicon technology nodes and will collaborate closely with internal customers and partners. There's all this stuff that we speculate on when it comes to Surface, right? And some of that we speculate uh, about has to do with ARM chips and that kind of stuff. And uh, part of the reason is Surface isn't enormously successful and we sort of wonder, you know, is this something Microsoft wants to keep around? It was controversial when they came up with this product line you know, competing with their best partners, et cetera. Um, I, I, it, there's little doubt that the Snapdragon work that was done for PCs has been disappointing to Microsoft so far. The Qualcomm-specific yeah. locked-in Qualcomm. Yeah, thing. and part of the speculation I mentioned earlier was around this notion of d does Microsoft have a an exclusive arrangement with Qualcomm for these chips? Um, when they announced... When they announced Windows and ARM for Windows 8, Windows RT, they, they they were talking about multiple chipsets. And I don't, I think they just went with NVIDIA at the time, if I remember correctly. When they talked about the Windows 10 version of Windows and ARM, once again, the, the notion was we're going to expand this into other chipsets. And and there have been companies, I don't know if it was MediaTek or some other company that showed interest in this, uh, but it's nothing has come of it. And so people are like, well, maybe they have some kind of an exclusive arrangement. Um, I, we've talked to about the new V acquisition and how that's going to impact windows and arm. And the expectation is that we'll learn more about those chipsets late this year. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, Microsoft, Microsoft has their own chipsets. It's like Microsoft has a, a rebranded Qualcomm Snapdragon 8X, whatever they're called, you know, chipset. That's, is it really any different? Uh, does it make a difference? Has anyone ever used a surface pro nine versus a whatever else and said, yes, this thing is. 10 or even 15% faster or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I wouldn't say they've made their own chipsets up till now. They've taken no. existing chipsets right. and assembled the way they want to. Right. It would be interesting if they did, because I mean, definitely we have the modern foundry system where you get to spec what's in the chip. Yep. Even if you're not actually cutting the silicon yourself. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of Apple's success with making chips has come about because there's a company that can build those things. Right. You know, yeah. um, the modern and, foundry system is what's yeah, made. All that's the not, they're not building them. Right. So I don't, I, I guess the, if I could kind of summarize the issue I have with this, it's just that Surface is a brand. Surface is a product line is a tiny, tiny percentage of PC sales. ARM based chipsets that, are used inside surface PCs are themselves a tiny subset of the, of what is a tiny subset. So it doesn't mean things don't change in the future, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I, I, I would be less surprised if Microsoft left the industry than it would be if they dropped Snapdragon. And I, and maybe I'm jumping chips. ahead to your list here, but it, they doubled down on the surface brand this week. Yes. In a way that I find alarming. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's weird. It's a okay. weird one. Should we'll we save that. that for the yeah, let's say. their entire segment li labeled surface? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Got to have something yeah. in there. You might as well keep it. No, it, it, it yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I didn't, uh, yeah. I, I didn't mean to didn't derail it. you, but I just, I no, noticed no, it wasn't it's in the notes and I, no, it's I was curious about it. I, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah it, it's, uh, I, I think one of the things that's coming out of this AI phase that we're in right now is that the way for these platform makers to save money is to have their own chipsets. Mm -hmm. They can't rely on others uh, for this. Because and, you need uh, the neural processing unit. Yeah, you need to do that. You need your own. You know, Google does it. Amazon does it. Uh, Microsoft's going to be do it, doing it in the um, uh, sorry, the data center side. And then, you know, Apple obviously has been pushing this pretty hard for several years now on iPhones. 
Um, Isn't it ironic because they have real, really no, no position in this whole AI chat GPT yeah, race. But I think that's that might actually be why, because they understand how important it is. A- Apple is never going to be that trusted partner that others go to to rely on for anything, let alone AI. But Apple, as that kind of insular company, sees how the world is going and says, "Well, we we have to do this ourselves." And where do we? Where is our strength? It's on the client. What you uh, haven't seen is a standard for an NPU. Right. Nobody's even offering one. Right. Right. Like right. that's what's interesting. Yeah. Like the competition yeah. is so fierce. Yep. You know that nobody's actually saying, "Oh, we should do a chip like this, and we'll make it available to others." Like that, the person who does it, the one who says, "I'm behind and not going to catch up." So <laughs> yeah, trying well, to get a standard. I, I you, uh, Richard, I think you use a Pixel phone. I don't know which yeah. one you have. Do you have a which? What's what a six? Version? Six. So starting with the six, and now with the seven, and soon with the eight, uh, they have their own Tensor chipset, right? Yeah. And so this thing is kind of optimized for AI, well, machine learning tasks. And it's okay for other things, <laughs> like it's fine. But this is a phone that can heat up. It does. It, they it can't charge very quickly. I think that might have something to do with the uh, uh, the chipset. Um, and I, that's just the direction they decided to go in. They're like, look, we're gonna try to make this thing as helpful as possible with these kind of interactions that people have. Um, but as a mainstream kind of normal processor, it's probably it's probably just kind of average. You know, it's not it's not like super high end or whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and that's one direction. And I guess that, that they're, the bet they're making is that that's what's going to matter to people, you know, that we're going to, um, you know, I don't it, think the this matters to stuff, customers the, at all. I mean, yeah. yeah, camera features are great. Detecting mm-hmm. that you're doing astrodometry, awesome. Like all of that <laughs> sure. is cool. But the problem you've got with the LLMs, with the chatbot situation here, is mm-hmm. they're free. Yeah. And most people aren't going to pay for them. And they consume a lot of compute. And so yeah. it is in the vendor's interest to push the compute to the edge, not right. in the customer's interest. Or to lower the, and, and or to lower the price of the stuff they are doing up in the cloud, which is what. Yeah, again, which they're paying for, not yeah. us. Like, well, yeah. why are we going to care? The only right. way you're going to make us care is to construct <laughs> features that only work with our new devices. And that's cool. We'll get to sell more devices. And there, you know, there's Microsoft's yeah. problem. They don't care if they sell more devices, really. Right. right. Google only vaguely cares if they sell more devices. Well, but this is why it's so important that MPUs come to the client, regardless of the fact that regardless of Microsoft making their own PCs, that's not yeah. going to change anything. Um, you know, all of the computers at Dell and HP and Lenovo and whatever else sell have to have these chips for the. Yes. Some version so you of think it'd be Microsoft that had declared the standard by now. Like, that's the logical mm-hmm. thing to do. You're the guys with the ecosystem. Eco. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, that's okay. So that's tied to what I said earlier, where I think they need to come out a little earlier, not a little, a lot earlier this time, the normal schedule, one year in advance, at least, mm-hmm. and say, hey, this is a major push for Windows 12. It's going to be AI. MPU is paramount to this. Yep. Here's, here's the a whole, reference. Here's machine. the whole stack. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that better be this October. It better be by this October. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This October, they need to do that pitch. And now, the vendors have a the then the ecosystem has a year to build the machines that people will actually buy. Yep, and by that point, those machines will be in market that have MPUs because it's already happening. It's just that yeah. we, it's just not everywhere. Well, and clearly they've been working on this chip now for a year or two. The Apple guy's been on board since la, early last year, right? So I mean, that's enough and, time. There and, should be a chip. Uh, that lawsuit was just dropped, by the way. That's also not in the notes, but Apple had a lawsuit against. Uh, the guy who left to go to Nubia, right? You know, you're never going to win those. All you're going to do is, <laughs> well, 
You want to sow, yeah, fear, uh, pretty much. Yeah, William yeah. Gerard Williams, I think his name was. Anyway, yeah. they, he countersued, and sure, yeah, the suit's been well. Dropped. And, and it, I'm pretty sure it was Microsoft Legal supporting all of that, as they do, and it's ha- and it has happened before, and likely happen again, and all of it is dumb. You don't get to not let a guy make a living, like yeah, was, especially yeah. in California, yeah. because uh, yeah. hiring employees right. away from another company is actually protected. <laughs> Yeah, in California. Sure. So yeah, it's, it's they call it right to work, right, right? to work. So, well, that's right another interpretation poach. of right to work. But the, yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah, right to right to poach. I think is yeah, know, yeah. RTP. Like it. All right. All right. So all right. Yeah. Richard mentioned the search pill in in my <laughs> can't believe non-ending quest for the truth. I, I have. I have come up with various theories as to why Microsoft pushed the AI thing. As you recall, every week, it seems like I have a new one. I've been, I've been really concerned about and really focused on how and when Microsoft updates Windows. It's, it's, it's interesting to me, right? And, uh, you know, just at a really high level, we, the, 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 the problem is easily stated. They said we're going to do one feature update a year. And they release multiple feature updates every month. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's what they say, what they do. And and the interesting thing is Microsoft over time has started coming out and explaining itself. You know, it is, it has talked about how, yeah, we changed the schedule for preview updates. Um, we're going to make them now in week D, which is two weeks after week B and two weeks before the next week B, week B being uh, patch Tuesday. So we get this preview update. If you want to go get it, you can. And uh, if you don't want to go get it, that's fine. Wait two weeks, you'll get it with Patch Tuesday automatically. <laughs> oh, you're getting it. Yeah. Oh, no, they literally use, uh, ma- 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 man- what do they call it? Mandatory. It's a mandatory update, right? So these are non-security updates, cumulative updates, or fe- they're features, right? And I, I think last week I discussed about how I went back and looked at it. And if you really look at it, what you'll find is that they've been doing this since September of last year. The only time they didn't release extra feature up- features in any month was in January. And that's only because December, they take half the month off. And there was one, there was no week D that year, uh, that month. So that was the only time they skipped new features. But, and Richard, uh, you may remember this, uh, I think because it was just as you were coming on the show, but back in November slash December last year, Microsoft, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, popped this little surf, uh, search pill onto people's taskbars. Yes. Well, and the way they some did it was, them. thank you. The, the way they did it was so weird. And and I was, of course, hot in the middle of writing the Windows 11 field guide. And, and I had just taken a 1,100 screenshots of the taskbar. And the taskbar changed because now there's this new icon here. We right. talked about how there were feature regressions, blah, 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 whatever. But the thing that was weird about it, the thing that I was stuck in my craw was they had never tested this. This never went through the Insider program. They just appeared out in stable one day but not for everybody. And in my own situation where I had several laptops going at one time, I could see it appear on two, but not on five. And then next month it was three and not on four. And then it took a really long time for it to kind of get rolled out everywhere. And I was just, it just and didn't You make were sense. uniquely positioned yeah, to, a, to witness it. You yeah. know, you're, you're clearly harnessing your OCD for the forces of good in terms of noticing <laughs> the <you>. changes <laughs> like that. Yes. And you're surrounded by an array of machines. So you That's know, right. the update cycles wonky. Like yep. there's very few people in the place you are to make That's that right. happen. Right. And you know, of course, you know, the cynical view of what I do is people, oh, you do is complain. You know, it's like, yeah, or maybe I'm just like a canary here and yeah. I'm witnessing something that is unusual. And I'm just trying to, I was trying to make sense of it, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I felt like it was an experiment the whole time, which yeah. happens, right? Like, they, well, they, it doesn't just happen, Richard. It's a strategy and it's called <laughs> controlled feature rollouts. It is literally 
a formal strategy that Microsoft employs to well, roll it has an through. acronym now, so it must be real. Well, they they documented it. They they talked about it. This is mm-hmm. a thing they're doing it, and that's what the search bill was. It was a CFR. They didn't say go. that, but it it is. It, 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 it's it implied. Is. No, it, it absolutely it absolutely. When you read the way they describe how this will happen and compare it to the way we just described how the search bill happened, it's identical. It's, so, it, do you think the that the search bill was the beta of the CFR? That was their first test run. I can't say that for sure, but it it, it either was the first or it was one of the first. I think I you would have noticed if there'd been any others. I think so too. That's why, yeah. I, I, it was this one was very prominent. I, yeah, it was. Well, it was in the middle of you capturing screenshots, so yeah, I, I feel your pain. Well, I mean, I feel I, I, I I pay attention regardless, you know. But I, I feel like I would have noticed something like this, but this one was very obvious. Yeah. Um. So here's what bugs me about this, other than uh, you know the the obvious. Um. Microsoft has a program in place. In fact, just in January they expanded it. It's called the Windows Insider Program, and the Windows Insider Program, if used correctly has three or four tiers where you can insert a new feature, go through the testing uh, cycle on each channel, and then pop it out to stable at the end of the cycle. Um, The search pill was an anomaly because it never went into the Windows Insider program. It just hit stable. But this is, like I said, a strategy. They're doing this on purpose. They're purposefully not testing it with insiders, and they're pushing stuff out into stable. Now, the idea here is they roll it out like they roll out a major Windows feature update, capital F, capital U. In other words, they don't just, you know, <laughs> split it out to everyone. They put, they, there's some algorithm that determines these computers, it, it should work okay or whatever. Not that the search bill was a big deal, but the idea is it goes out to some subset and they gather feedback by which I suspect they mean telemetry mostly, make sure mm-hmm. it's working right. By the way, it wasn't working right. There was a, you know, a feature regression as we discussed, but whatever. And then they expanded over time. And if there are no major pushbacks, Eventually, it will hit the entire user base. And in the case of the search pill, I bet it wasn't until I bet it wasn't until February. In fact, it's possible someone listening to this now will say, "I, I never actually got that," <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. They eventually uh, superseded it with another update. But um, this is so. Why? Why would you do that? And they this they have not said explicitly, but it's hard not to think that there's something wrong with the insider program, that they're not well, getting the, we know there's something wrong with the insider program. Like it's obvious. Yeah. They made it too easy to sign up. They put no yeah. criteria on it. Most people put it on a tertiary machine. <laughs> right. Right. And it's, true. you're not getting good feedback. That's plain yeah. and simple. And, you know, unfortunately um, they've also made the program kind of crappy. Right. So yeah. they've gone back on their promise about what, what these channels mean. They've done a B testing in the beta channel. Uh, if I was in the beta channel and I was there very specifically because I'm getting, I'm going to be able to test this level of things and now I'm not getting those features, you're kind of sucking the life no, out no. of it, right? It's, yeah. it's self-fulfilling, right? Yeah. And I think part of this is that the folks who set those programs up back in the day, they've all moved on. And yeah. there's new people in play. It's quite questionable whether they even agreed with the strategy in the first place. They may or may not know how to do certain things, much less what was necessarily promised. Right. And they're reinventing it bit by bit without causing a, a too big of a ruckus right so you, you, all you can do with the insiders is annoy them <laughs> right well they've that they've done a stellar job of that so i uh, the three of us have all been around long enough to remember this i i'm i feel like the people making the decisions at microsoft might not remember this back in the 1990s there was this notion of 
uh, internet time, you know, that Netscape had come out and they said, look, um, we need to ship fast. That's how we're going to get ahead in the, in the market. Right. And we'll fix the problems later. And that's we, cute. Because we can deliver it online. Yeah. It's a cute thing to do for a little browser, you know, a thousand lines of code at the time or whatever it was, you know. Um, when you're doing this in a product that ships to hundreds of millions, possibly billions of people in stable, like normal people, I don't know. I, I, it seems like a dicey strategy to me. Um, now, I mean, get into, and this also leads into your next point where software is being built more reliably, right? Yeah. These are, the, these are yep. not breaking change. This search pill may have been annoying, but at no point did windows crash. You didn't yep. be thought on it. That's true. And and search didn't even break, right? These literally were just UI things. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't, you know, I, I would say in our group here and, you know, the people watching and listening to the show, obviously we're enthusiasts and um, we feel these things a little, a little but more. But I, I think you you're, know? you're talking about Microsoft simplifying where the, the update yeah. channel is the beta channel. And so when I'm wearing my IT hat, it's like, I use update server for a reason. I control what's right, coming. Right. Well, and that's the thing. I, I, I actually, right. And to defend Microsoft somewhat, I would say, I, yeah, if you're going to do this kind of thing, at least you're doing it in a company that has two halves, an enterprise half and a consumer half, and you have a system in place for enterprises where they can block this kind of thing from happening Yep, for some amount of time. Right. And actually in the, in this exact case, I will say, um, like it, it was superseded by an update that changed the search yet again, and it did fix those problems, right? And so they got it to where it needed to be in the first place. It took them three, four months, whatever. Um, that's so, but that's the you're just describing Windows 11 full on, right? Yeah, they yeah. took a whole bunch of stuff away, listened for yeah. how loud the screams were, and then just kept adding it yeah. back. Now we're back. Yeah, and so for those businesses that blocked uh, or blocking updates, or whatever, um, this thing came out, was broken, was fixed. <laughs> And then they updated and why would they care? Right. And so right. maybe that's okay. And I actually, I had written something to that too. And I mean, uh, you know, as, as an individual using this product, it's fine. I, I think a lot of normal people, I always hold my wife up in this regard. Like she had switched to windows 11 at some point and I forgot about it. And then one day I say, Hey, um, how's the, how's windows 11 go? And she's like, what do you mean? I said, well, you, up, you asked me about it and you upgraded and everything. She goes, yeah. And I said, well, you, you know, do you notice anything? She's like, it's talking about it. I said, it's well, an I mean, operating you, system. It's yeah, like, she, well, she, she said it's a tool. I'm yeah. like, okay, I, I, I am also a tool. I don't know. These are the kind yes. of things I think about. Um, yeah, so I don't, you know, maybe this is uh, I mean, the right way to this, do it. It's also the same way that people are like blind to cars, right? Yes. I yes. get in a box. It takes me where I want to go. I get out. Right. Right. You can talk about the styling on the on the rear quarter panel, but I really don't <laughs> care. Well, I'm so... I'm a car fan. And so I will say in this apartment complex we live in, there are seven parking spots and five of those vehicles are almost always a Kia. And, uh, yeah. And I, and I, I walk, I walk out to the car. One time we walked out to the car and I, I, I walked by each car. I said, Kia, 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 super, <laughs> Kia. And Stephanie's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm like, do we live in a Kia dealership? And you know, I, I don't think she would have noticed this. Nope, you know, she I, don't, I just didn't I, care. Yeah. yeah. Didn't right, care. and you and ask you about your operating system, same thing, same thing, yeah, right, and yeah. and as you know, I remember my my mother telling me I don't want Windows Vista, and I'm like, you're not qualified for an opinion, <laughs> um, but it just showed how well yeah. the things had gone off the rails that the non technical had an opinion about something. Yes, Windows eight, same thing. I had, yeah. uh, in fact, the same friend we talked about the friend earlier who had the iPod, he traded yeah. into the Dell. That that guy called me one day and said, 
Hey, um, I, I just bought a new computer and it came with windows eight and he never used to, he would never bother me about technical things, but right. he said, how do I put windows seven on this? <laughs> I was like, I don't, I, don't, go I don't know if you can do that, man. Yeah. Why would you care? Yep. Anyhow. Uh, this ties into that story. We talked about this before we even started about Rust in a good way, because yeah. this yep. is a maturation, an interesting idea of maturation of windows. And Rasinovich was talking about this a year ago or more. Right. Right. And this is one of those times I kind of wish he was in this part of the company again a little mm. bit, you know, yeah, um, I don't even I don't, know what that guy does for a living anymore. I, yeah. I got him coming up on run as in a, in a yeah, month or we'll so. find out what he does for a living now because yeah, I will. I'll ask him. It will just be confusing, but um, yeah, I mean, this is uh, Mark Rosinovich for people who don't know, um, but, you know, he's the, uh, to me, the game that his claim to fame was he wrote an article in windows NT magazine back in 1996, probably or seven discussing how you could make one registry change and turn windows NT workstation into windows NT server. Right. And, uh, you know, he, and with David Solomon, essentially kind of semi reverse engineered the windows NT, the windows kernel, the NT kernel. And um, sys, uh, sys internals, Win internals, et cetera, uh, was bought by Microsoft, came to Microsoft, a Microsoft fellow, I would imagine. He's a tech fellow, yeah. Well, tech fellow. No, I'm, he created his, he's hit the point where now you just make your own titles. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think CTO Azure at the moment, I okay. think. Yeah, okay. he's a genius and he's a super nice guy. And he used to be very, well, he was in Windows for several years and uh, and was doing, you know, kind of low-end kernel work, blah, 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 whatever. But yeah, so he, what you're saying is for the past, sometime in the past year, he's been saying, hey, there's something called Rust. Let's start using it in the Windows yeah. kernel. Um, Linux is starting to put their first uh, bit of Rust, so to speak, into the uh, 6.1 kernel back in I don't know, February, March, something like that. And um, Microsoft uh, was just just had a uh, like a I think it was a security conference in Israel. Hmm. And uh, Vice President David Weston, who I was telling Rich, I'm, I'm, I, I have met this guy like I have 100 percent met this guy and it's killing me. I can't. I, I'm really bad with this kind of name thing. He's but a he's a 15 year veteran. He's been yeah, around a while. Super nice. Always guy. on the security side. Yeah, and so he he appeared, and as part of his talk, uh, he said that yes, Microsoft is going to be adding Rust code to the Windows kernel. Now they're not going to rip and replace. You know, the, like it doesn't make. And he said this: look, it doesn't. We've got decades of code there. We're not going to. Yeah. You know, You've got spend one the next seven years replacing it all with I, Rust. I did a show where they talked about being able to use. They had to modify Git, make contributions to Git to be able to use Git as a repository for Windows. Right. Because it's 300 gigabytes of source <laughs> yes. code. <right>? Yep. <laughs> Actually, I haven't looked into this yet. I'm probably going to write about this so I can find this. Yeah, sudo and su, right, two of the mm -hmm. su, uh, two of the core Linux-like utilities uh, in Linux are going to mm -hmm. be rewritten in Rust as well. And when you do this kind of stuff, what you're looking for is kind of the high value targets. Like where can we do, where can we get the most bang for the buck? It's not so much performance, although one of the criteria here is we don't want this thing to bog down performance. But what they found is actually there are no performance issues at all for doing this. And there are huge security implications yes. in a positive way. And that, uh, and that's the main thing is that yeah. Rust has, Rust is this modernization of a general purpose language. Mm-hmm. Uh, focused on type safety. So you get past these sort of core issues about data injection and buffer overruns. And right, the, like right. all of that stuff comes for free. And they've managed to do it in a way that compiles with very comparatively low overhead. Like it's, it's impressive. It's, 
Right. Typically, to get this kind of protection, you need a what Microsoft calls a managed language like yeah. C Sharp or Java does this as well, where there's kind of an intermediary uh, between you and the OS or whatever, however you want to describe that. Yeah. Um, and, it so and it makes me wonder if you won't see an initiative over time with various bits of, of Windows being rewritten in Rust for just that reason. Yeah. And I'd also say this. They need new devs in the wins team, and you aren't going to get this, them right to C++. Yes, thank you. This is one. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. The, r r I follow, like, the kind of Stack Overflow and other similar sites where they do little you know, developer surveys every year. And there's an interesting um, thing you'll see in there. The trends are very clear. Everyone loves Rust. It's not really clear how I could get a job in Rust. Yes. <laughs> you know, every, it's I want to use it, but I have to use I, hopefully it's not JavaScript, but you know, it's the, the disparity between like the real world and what they want to do is pretty yeah. big. But now that uh, the platform makers are starting to put rust into the kernels of these systems, all of a sudden mm -hmm. this is, this is, yeah, this could be an interesting job opportunity. Well, um, and, and, and it's, and it is finally encroaching in the C plus plus spaces. Like I think we could see drivers written in rust. Like you, yes. Typically something yes, you yes. only ever see in the C space. Yep. Uh, it's interesting to see in the aviation industry, which I occasionally bump into, they've been retiring old languages as well, languages like Ada, and moving to C. Wow. Yeah. So I, you know, <laughs> now, now would be a question of moving yep. to to yep. languages like Rust. Like, right. <laughs> clearly, the tech giants are all over it. I'd like to see NASA into it. Yeah. For exactly that reason. Like, this is this is a these guys write quality code. And they write it the hard, expensive way. Yeah, maybe this is an easier way to rate that kind of quality. That's code. right. Yeah, I'm really interested in this. Um, hmm. I wonder if we'll learn more about this at Build. I'm curious. I'm really. I was fascinated to see them come out and discuss this. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the CPP conference. Uh, that's yeah. Microsoft's C conference. Okay. And uh, uh, certainly never going away. Like that's a. It's a great. No. 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 Conference. No. But but you know, like uh, you know this better than anybody. Microsoft's best message to developers has always been. We'll, we'll show you a way forward. You know, they've yeah. been very good about that. And uh, I don't think anyone saw a way forward for C slash C++ other than more C and C++. And um, this is a very similar is, language, uh, you know, syntactically. Yeah. Um, now, it's it's very approachable. It just takes a yeah. bunch of stuff off the table. And it, and more importantly, shakes off literally decades of cruft. Yeah. Just decades of built on, built on, right. built on, built on. This is... You know, the specs are from 2015. This is right. really new. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. I, I think so. And, and, the chief, and by the way, the uh, chief purpose of this is uh, a memory safe language, right? Yeah. So that's, that's really okay. the issue is that the, what they're looking, yeah, they're looking at the null the pointers kernel. and uh, right. array yeah, where can overruns. Where can things go south? Yeah. Yep. And Rust protects yeah. you from that compile, at compiler side or... Uh, at runtime, at runtime. so it's definitely a compile. It's definitely a compile time, um, and I, I think the idea is that you're creating code that yeah will also be safer at runtime. Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't require. It's not like it's a runtime environment. That's the point. It, they that's the overhead they're trying not to. Right. No, it's like it's a systems language. It's like C. Yeah. In that, re in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think it probably does do, stop uh, null pointers at runtime as well. It must, otherwise. But you well, find you know, it, so, you find it in the in the code coding. What, one of the side effects of us having to discuss the updates, the feature updates they add to Windows every single month, right, and including the thing we're about to talk about next, is just how 
surface level and stupid it all is, right? It's like this moment in time, like they're doing this one stupid little change and it's like, is this all we have to talk about? And it's very exciting to me to see, because I, uh, you know, know, with, uh, no one's really writing new Windows apps anymore. Like what's the developer thing? What's the, what's going on technically with Windows? It's not really that interesting, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so the fact that they're even taking the time to do this to me is just so great. Now this this is internal, right? It's not going to impact any third-party developers, although it does kind of give a nice seal of approval. Linux did this a couple of months ago, and so it gives it a Mm -hmm. nice seal of approval, like, oh, this is a good systems language and it's memory safe. So you should should learn it. Yeah, it's the big vendors betting big products on it. Yeah. For the past few years, it's been quite exactly. And uh, when the when the best minds in the industry at this level, the, the really technical people, the the Linux Torvalds, the Mark Brzezinovich of the world, whatever, whoever they're, mm-hmm. kind of endorse this, <laughs> you know, um, I think that it just it it it, I think it just gives it a whole because we're not we can debate you know things like Swift and C sharp and you know Dart and whatever like Kotlin you know like yeah it's kind of interesting but like this is just this kind of deep level stuff I I almost felt like we were kind of past this almost like yeah it, like they it would never do this long. work again yeah yep so i'm just I, I just i really like to see this i really i i love that they're spending I, obviously uh windows windows server azure there's some shared infrastructure there and some lower level stuff and i'm sure these changes will benefit the cloud side of the house as well that's fine i mean obviously uh i would expect that's where this comes from originally i'm sure that's where the the kernel the kernel lives so to speak is with that side of the company um, that's great. Is, but uh, is, again, is the kernel code so isolated that you could do this? I mean, Windows to, from the outside feels to me like a, a pile of spaghetti. And yeah, it's not it like you could just take one strand of spaghetti out and say, we're going to replace this with a whole. No, the kernel is like a meatball in the middle of the spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's spicy it, meatball. It's separate enough that uh, yeah. y- you could. It's not the whole. Well, uh, yeah, this is the whole system for. Yeah, I mean, the lower level parts of the system interact with the kernel in a very specific way. And so it's it's a black box. It's a it's very much like the comm stuff. You know, you don't you don't know how it's written internally from the outside. It doesn't matter. You just you have a certain set of functions you can call. You get things back. And this is just making that, you know, to the outside world, whatever that is, other parts of Windows or third party developers, whatever. Nothing changes. It's just that it's more secure now. Um, if it was just more secure now and it was like 10% slower, I bet we would accept that. But the thing that's fascinating about Rust is that's not what they found. Yeah. There is no performance penalty. Oh, no. Yeah. This, Rust is, Rust this is, is good. the, yeah, th- this is the beauty of Rust. Yeah. Um, so I wonder where Dave Cutler falls on this. Yeah. Right. I mean, and the creator I've of heard, NT. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and I've heard is still working. Right. Right. But also just turned 81. And a C plus plus guy, I'm presuming, yes. and it's through and through, through and through four yep. decades, yeah. right? Yep. So yeah, I really wonder, but not a young man. Like, no right. toys about it. Well, this was the guy when they the original design of NT, uh, the graphic stuff was all outside of the kernel for all of the obvious security, whatever reliability reasons, mm-hmm. and to make this thing perform well on relatively low end hardware of the day, they had to change that design, and he fought that. Tooth and nail because that's bad design, you know. And he and Um, was right. Yeah, but (laughs) you know, this is the realities of the market, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, gotta make it work. The ring three versus ring zero battles. Mr. Um, Mr. Lion in our Discord reminds me that uh 
someone announced that they were going to rewrite SU and yeah, SU2. Yeah, I just yeah. Did you mention that? Yep. Oh, okay. And rest. I did, yeah. Yeah, yep. you did. Okay. Yep. Uh, that's not, I mean, I don't think that's the official SU and SU2. Right, but, right. Uh, somebody's going to do it. And um, I, sure. I think all whatever architect of whatever system should be looking at what they can do and where the benefits are. And um, I think, you know, again, we're not, I don't think we're going to see a wide scale wipe out of C and C++ across the board. Well, that's but, why I'm asking you how modular it is, because yeah. I like the idea of, say, one brick at a time, uh, rewriting one brick at a time in Rust. And certainly with sure, in, sure. in Unix, uh, SU is a standalone app. I mean, you can write it right. in any language right. you want. Um, so, uh, but this is a little different because you have all these interactions. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the front end stuff is a little different. I, I the, the back end stuff, though, I... I, like it's as modular as it's it's i would call it componentized i guess i don't know yeah, you know it's uh yeah. again like in in the black box sense you have some set of interfaces you're calling right or can call yeah and as long as those uh, you change the, the yeah, internal this is the yeah. classic kind of oop design really right. i mean um so yeah this is what they're doing and i yeah we'll never i don't know we'll see i mean how much they update they may never talk about it again i don't know i, I don't you, know I'm, that's yeah see i'm not I, i've played with rust in fact when rust uh, mm-hmm. kind of came out i the first book i kick-started it and got it yeah, and, and all that sure. stuff and it's it's a little too much boilerplate for me as a hobbyist but it but i you know i understand the value of it have you yeah. but i'm not familiar enough i know that the way it does memory management is not exactly garbage collection but it's not no, exactly do it yourself and so um that's going to be yeah. i would say that's probably a big impedance mismatch between existing software where you do your, you know, you do an amalloc and that you're responsible for deallocating that memory uh, when you're done with it. The rust doesn't work that way. So I'm wondering if that's, I don't know enough about it. I think I I don't know enough about it either. Though I, I researched this and wrote a short article about it. And the way that I described it at the time was that the, the difference between this and other C like languages is that um, it cannot write code it cannot you cannot compile code that improperly handles memory right it just it just does not allow yep. you to do it that. stops and then it and at runtime it has this concept of ownership yeah that helps and, and for, yes. richard had that great quote a couple of weeks ago about um you know we gave you the gun but you shot yourself in the foot that's c plus plus yeah yeah <laughs> you know um and with rust you can't shoot yourself in the foot so i i think that's the, you know and and uh, the, i i kind of compared it to the managed code languages right that to achieve this type of code safety i guess for lack of a better term you typically need some kind of a managed layer that sits between you and the hardware and uh rust the rust compiler creates native code right so there's no there's no intermediary layer layer and that's part of the reason for the performance right it's my understanding that 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 memory is allocated and when allocated is owned by a process Uh, so that process is kind of I don't know. It's, I, I don't understand. It's very fancy. <laughs> it's very fancy. I don't know. Right, right. I don't understand it anymore. Um, I, I just think syntactically, if you are a God help you a C C plus plus guy still today in 2023, you could you'll look at Rust and say, oh yeah, okay, yeah. I think you know, that's true. It's yeah. it's it's very familiar. I think that's yeah. the big or well no, I, that's part of the appeal, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, and 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 the keep you from shooting yourself in the foot is always a nice thing mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah now with less holes in foot yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah i think that's good <laughs> yeah. i'm only saying less yeah yeah 
I we'll wonder see. how, I mean, I, how you know, committed the, Microsoft is to this. If it's, I mean, it could just be a PR thing, right? Look what we're doing. I don't. Um, well, who does that? I don't know. I mean, I, I, um, I don't know who that benefits. You know, I mean, I, I I'm like I said, I'm surprised they're even doing this. Um, I, but they are, and that's fantastic. And well, I'll, I mean, I'll give you one context on it because you're also seeing it happen in Linux, which is that the cloud vendors are afraid. Yeah. of yes. cross instance infection yes sure. that's what mr right. lyon and is so, saying in discord aws is yeah. behind this they, yeah they well really, all yeah. of the cloud this is the thing that cloud vendors fear okay is that we're busy sharing our are machines. running up in the mm -hmm. yeah there yeah. you go mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. there you and go so yeah. anything we can do to start building code that would resist yeah. that exploit someday surfacing i mean that right. was the real fear with specter and meltdown back in the day right yep. was exactly that that i could invoke in another process at, uh, vis uh, visibility into data in, in in your process yeah but in that case we're talking about apps on the same system now we're talking about different operating system installs on the same hardware so the the memory that's shared is across multiple yeah uh systems uh, it's even it's, scarier it's um yeah security at no, scale it, it, i guess it is the stuff that keeps the cloud owners awake at night and <laughs> yeah. and it makes it worthwhile yeah. to just put the kind of energy we're talking about in in you know, rewriting operating systems is a terrible job. At best, you get back to where you were. More likely right. is you broke stuff that used to work. That's Yeah, that's I, that might be why they're talking about it, because the reality is no one is going to realize a benefit no. when they don't get hacked. Yes. <laughs> you know? Uh, but they, they will just, certainly notice when what used to work breaks. Right. Yes. Right. Yep. Cool. I'm going to skip right over this stupid widget board story because I just talked myself. I just. Yay. <laughs> I don't even know what anyway, it is. Microsoft, what is it? The correct is number of widgets nonsense. is none. Yeah. <laughs> Zero yeah. widgets. And it's funny because Apple, the, widget board. the rumor is Apple's adding widgets back to the Apple Watch. So if you miss your widgets. <laughs> well, hold on a second. Come on the widgets over. that Apple would have um, on an Apple Watch aren't going to be the crap that we have in Windows yeah. 11, right? I Every time I look at it, I want to gouge my eyes out. Why am I looking at it now? Stop doing this. <laughs> the point is it's always terrible. It's always a new kind of terrible. I was I, I because I like boring my wife to death. I'll, I I was telling her the other day that in the beginning widgets were terrible because there's a picture of Leo. Yeah, well, there it's go. got my phone. Oh, that I is a picture of Leo. Oh, I see that's your yeah. okay. Like, no, I, the widget board. Oh my god, the, I, something's come out about me. Oh, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So in the beginning, it was terrible because it was always like you're never going to leave with the celebrity ward of this event. Or Look like, how many like, Donald Trumps are in my widgets. That's yeah. that's telling, isn't it? But the the big thing that I see in the widget board today are these stories. They're, they're not stories. They're the, the listicle type things where you have to click next on the picture yeah, to see the that. next thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's just. You won't believe what happens. Customer next. service stories like yeah. um, or, or so, like road rage stories yeah. or like these, all these like nonsense. Garbage. It's just garbage. Yeah, it's yeah. just terrible. Garbage. Yeah, that's yeah, sad. It the wives sad. of the 25 most famous WWE wrestlers. I mean, kill me. I just. What is this source? Bola Vip. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but oh, I, I, we should say. Oops, I clicked say, it. Oops. Oh, when you click no. on it, where you go is Microsoft Start. I just, I just said and a by signal. Way, you, cl you clicked on a listicle. Yeah, this is yeah, what I just I just about. sent a septic signal that I want more. Yeah, so what you yeah. can't see, Leo, in that screen you're on right there is what you're supposed to be doing, supposedly, is reading the text below the picture, right? So um, each of those fewer, pictures I could do fewer stories text. like this, right? You could, I, and it's not going to You know what? Matter. I'm going to hide stories from Bola Vip. 
whatever the hell that is. So I love how long it takes, <laughs> right? There's a little animation. Like processing, now, processing. I've got the best guitar riffs of all time, according to Guitar <laughs> World. I found it would be better if you just never opened widgets. Yeah, and I, I wish to God right. I think you're right. that you could do to widgets what you can do to the Edge uh, new tab screen, which is turn off the newsfeed. Right. In other words, there are some widgets you might want to put there for weather and your photo gallery and whatever other things yeah, you care I, that's about. The that's, main reason I have it that's there a is fun little because yeah, I have weather in fun. my corner. I like that. So what happens is like the, the strategy that people have now is they'll add enough of these custom widgets to the top to hide the new stuff. Right. In other words, you don't you won't see it because it's below the fold. Clever. And it's like, guys. You shouldn't have to think like that. Now, so. You know, if you light your desktop on on fire, you'll ignore <laughs> the news feed all day long. It's easy. I just. Yeah, I, I kind of have done that. So I have the Giants, the San Francisco Giants and weather. Yeah, just, and you, you were, whether you knew what you were doing or not, you were yeah, hiding the crap. I was hiding the crap. Yeah. It's not a, I need more widgets to hide the crap, though, because it's apparently yeah, not yeah, hiding. You're not, you're not, you're not done this, yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the comeback, whatever that is. Uh, or bang Malaysia. I mean, these these sources are ridiculous. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I imagine if this was just Reuters and Associated Press. Yeah, then it would be okay. I don't think I ever want to read an article from a source called Be Viral. Yeah. And by the way, the yeah. headline: Person does a knee buckle and lands in a death dive. No, nope. no, that sounds like no. Nope. That's just IQ points lost right there. Yeah. <clears throat> by the way, I don't have that three dot menu on this. Uh, I just no, have no, that one. Oh, no, it's, it, you do. It's below the picture, uh, uh, below the text. Oh, there Sorry. it is. Oh, Bye-bye. good. Move it around so we can't find it. That's clever. <laughs> That'll do it. And I need to manage my interests. Is, is this, I, are we literally at the point now where we're just playing whack-a-mole? Like, yeah. Where's, yeah. where's the option to just block them all? Right. Block them all. Got to block them all. So sorry. I'm going to manage my interests. Managing interests now. How about just business news and technology? That'll fix it, right? And science. Uh, <laughs> there you go. That'll fix it. Nothing else. You know, take I, the NFL I, out. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to <laughs> customize a feed like this, and okay. it just it doesn't. Now let's there, see. The thing the thing you have to remember is there is actually an endless supply of crap. There is, yeah. and so yeah. you can you know rock and facts you didn't know but, about the Eagles. I don't think it's changed a thing. Really. It didn't change anything. I think you did. No. You did nothing. Oh, actually, rapper. I think what you did was you, you brought back that thing that you canceled earlier. That yeah, you, I did. Um, I brought it back. Oh gosh, and I accidentally clicked on this, which is now telling yeah. Windows uh, I like it. Also, you were just served an ad that's going to follow you around the internet for Forever. the rest of your life too. So. Right. Yeah. Oh, try Microsoft three sixty five. Everything I need to achieve mm. more in less time. Wow. Oh. It's like the de- it's like the deceit interface. We hearing Let's see what you. We can fool you into clicking on next. We hearing you. Hide card. Okay. Bye bye. I already own Microsoft. But there's no option to say receive no more things Ooh. from Microsoft. That's no, not an of option. Course not. Of course not. Oh, no. Are you crazy? Now can I move this traffic cameras up? I wouldn't mind having that up at the top. No, nope. mm. can't drag things, can you? I'm sorry. No. Let's just forget. Oh, Let's just forget we ever. <laughs> We ever met. I remember when you said we weren't going to do the widget story. I remember. <laughs> but, oh, good. I was able to move traffic cameras up. So now I am yeah. actually hiding there all more. See, there you more. go. Now yeah. you've, uh, that was just a good use Now you've really time. solved it. Keep it below the fold. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, Eesh. oh boy. Oh Eesh. boy. Oh boy. Eesh. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Do other things. <laughs> so, 
Um, I wrote this just before this this changed a little bit, but uh, this month, Stat Connor says that Safari has surpassed Edge usage on the web, right, as a web browser. So obviously, hmm. distant number two and three compared to Chrome. But if you look at these two browsers, they've been kind of paralleling each other for a while. I'm just stunned that Safari is that low down. This is just the default on the browser. On sorry, sorry. This okay, is just on, on the, the desktop. desktop. But that here's still counts why Max doesn't it? Yeah, if you um, yeah, if you look at all web browsers, Safari actually is up in the you know they're up pretty high because um, you know mm-hmm. a lot. I think a lot of Apple people tend to be loyal, uh, and of course it has the cross-platform stuff that is absolutely a benefit of that. So yeah, I, I get that. But Safari usage it, here's the thing: so we don't know how many Mac users there are exactly. Microsoft has pinned the number of Windows users at 1.5, 1.4 billion, depending on the day of the week or whatever. Right. But if you if you look at StatCounter's stats, uh, it suggests, this, this is absolutely not the case, but it suggests that there could be 350 million Macs in the world if those numbers are all true. Wow. Um, that's not true. But uh, let's pretend it is because this doesn't, if, if you, it doesn't change my argument, right? In other words, if there are only 100 million or 200 million Macs, what I'm about to say is actually worse. So this is a conservative way to make my point, which is this. Apple, with one quarter the usage of Windows, has as many or more people on their browser than does Microsoft. Interesting. So, yes, part of it is absolutely the cross-platform stuff, no doubt about it. It's also fair to point out that most people on every platform are using Chrome, you know, full stop. So uh, nothing has stopped that. However... I think it says a lot about Edge that its usage is now lower. We'll call it the same, roughly the same as Safari, despite the fact that it is pre-installed is the default on at least four times as many computers, mm-hmm. more than that. But let's just say four; it doesn't matter. Um, and it pops up whether you want to use it or not. They, they, there's all these underhanded tactics that they employ to get you to use it. So you choose Chrome or Firefox or whatever you like. As you default browser, you click on a search highlight, you click on one of those widget stories. Uh, there's a couple of different places in the UI. It loads in Edge anyway. So dis- despite all the underhanded tactics that Microsoft has employed, they still have only managed to engage one quarter. I'm going to argue it's a lot less than that, but we'll call it one quarter of the respective user base that Apple has. So why? Like, why is that? And I think it's because Apple, if you go and look, if you don't have a Mac, go look at the web, go to apple.com slash Safari and look at what this browser is. And what this browser is, is nothing. It just gets out of your way and you browse the web with it. That's what it does. Right. It put stuff in front of you. It's just not busy with it. It doesn't have that widget-like thing you just looked at with all the crap in it on its homepage. It's just, it's for, there for you to use to browse the web. And whatever we think about Apple, I'm not the world's biggest fan of Apple. I think people would understand I've been pretty critical. But this product is minimalist. And in both in design, like the way it looks, but also in the way that it works and bed edge edge, yeah, edge is busy and it gets in your way and it's constantly adding new features between now and the beginning of the year. I think Microsoft has added like 17 new features to edge. Now, some of them are useful. I, I, I know, I know. Don't, don't worry about that stuff, but I edge is like is designed to just push crap. That whole thing we just did with the widgets. That's Edge. That's right. what Edge is. They're really, really trying to help you. Yeah, it really. I, 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 I know you didn't want any help, but they really want to help you. This, I think, this proves proves is a strong word, but strongly suggests that 
Microsoft's approach with web browsing is much worse than Apple's. Mm. Even though they went with the industry standard browser rendering engine, et cetera, et cetera. And that when we talk about this in shiftified thing that we talk about so much, that that's what Edge is. And that's not what Safari is. And I, I, I don't mean to say, well, I almost said it, but I, I wish, I don't really wish I could have Safari on Windows. What I wish is I could have an Edge on Windows that was like Safari. Right. Where, you know, is, the, so, where is Safari mode? Yeah. Right. Safari mode. Get out of my way. Um, now there are some rumors that my Microsoft might be putting a front end onto edge that would let you uncheck certain features, uh, which I would welcome wholeheartedly, but I don't know. It's just, it's depressing. Yeah. Give me the quiet version. There's also, and you know, I get a lot of pushback from edge users, um, who will tell me something like, well, I like the browser. I like the features. Okay. That's fine. Or, uh, well, at least it's not Safari. At least it's not Safari. It is Safari. You are yeah. getting tracked as much with this browser as you are with Safari. Uh, it's not Safari. I'm sorry, Chrome. With Chrome. Uh, sorry about that. Um, it's as bad as Chrome in that regard. Uh, the mm-hmm. only difference is the ad network that your information is going to is owned by Microsoft, not Google. So it's probably not as sophisticated. I mean, there's, and it's not as pervasive. Yeah. Microsoft but, um, didn't have to go that way either. This is not like this is their principal revenue model. They could have done this. Differently. They want it to be a principal revenue model, which I think is part of the problem. And um, that, you're totally right. Yeah. Right? It's like, now, why, why fall down this toxic path that's clearly on the end uh, that, that is struggling? Like is, bit right. by bit, the customer doesn't want this anymore and are looking for alternatives and are subverting your, your intent. Like yeah. why would, you know, my, it, wasn't it Satchi who said, we're not going to, we're not racing for second anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right so why are you going over. down the there, same there, path there's no race they're just there yeah because um, the guys at the top are saying hey this model isn't working for us anymore and you're still ready to try to get to the point where you care that the model doesn't work anymore yeah now someone in the uh the comments in the discord comments here has raised an issue which is pertinent to this which is you know apple can do this because people pay them directly for the hardware that's what you know yep. that sort of subsidizes the whole thing Microsoft's kind of hardware subsidization program, so to speak, has gotten a lot less effective because people don't upgrade as often and they do so the partner strategy. Thing. Let me let me throw it at you this way then. Mm-hmm. Give me an M365 browser. Thank you. 100%. This is... I'll pay been, you every month. Yeah, I will pay you extra every month yeah. for this over on top of what I'm already paying you. Yes. For sure. To and, have a browser yep. that doesn't suck. And, a, and right. an operating system that doesn't suck. Uh, this yeah. is... Yeah, get rid of the ads, get rid of the tracking, get rid of all that stuff, get rid of the bloat, get rid of all the stupid features, or at least give me the checkboxes where I can say no to stuff. And remember it, sync it to my Microsoft account. um, You've already got my credentials. I'm already paying you. Yep. And and literally, we could have a button. I have a button on this account that says, make it not suck. This is, uh, I don't mean to say this system is perfect, but the system is perfect because it serves everybody. There are people who can't afford to do this. And yeah. this is a very standard model for that kind of a thing. People who want to pay extra for a premium service can get a better service. It's the difference between business class and coach, I guess, or whatever. Mm-hmm. The reality is everyone gets to fly. Yes, you're going to have a slightly worse experience if you fly in the back of the plane. That's the unfortunate reality of it. But it's better to have that choice than there just to be, sorry, we're Southwest, you know, yeah. or whatever airline you can't stand. Um, it's It's just horrible that there's no choice. And, uh, and I, 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 I'm just I, staggered that they went down the same path. Yep. Yep. I don't like, I, look, I, I own my own little stupid website and we have a premium program and we have terrible ads for people who don't pay. And that's the the reality. I can't control the way the world works, but even I can offer this as a, as a, 
an option? I mean, why can't Microsoft do this? Yeah. And that's a direct relationship too. I mean, when we used to buy win buy Windows, you know, or upgrade Windows, whatever, there wasn't really much of a direct relationship between Microsoft and their customers, individuals on that side. Mm-hmm. Um, this this creates that relationship, and uh, I trust Microsoft, and and I or should be able to trust Microsoft, and uh, I would pay them for the service. And I think a lot, especially of if you, if you're already paying for an yep. N365 account, like I'm not even saying just turn everything off, but give me control over it. That's right. Show me the digital effluent coming out of my browser yep. that I can now choose what goes where. What know, it's just, it makes me like, so they had, sad. They had all the opportunities. They had everything yep. to yep. do this. When when they announced this Chromium version of Edge, I thought this is it. They, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna take the world's you know most popular browser, get rid of all the Chrome uh, the Google stuff, right? Yes, this is something I'm going to be able to use and recommend to people. And then what you find out is no. Yeah. And then you see they their the deceptive practices. They the this language they use during setup to make it seem like you're making the web better, when in fact you're just allowing more tracking. And the way yeah. they keep coming back again and again and again, you don't even know what they're asking you. You just like click through it. And that's the point. They want you to Wait, open yeah. it up even further. How do I? Hey, um, I'm going to give you a set of dialogues that, yep. that you'll find the quickest way to get rid of. So I get what I want from you. Yep. It's just underhanded. And it's the, it's the it's a this is this is a bad relationship. It's, unfor- <laughs> you know? it's unfortunate because yeah. and it also sucks. Right. Like that's the yeah. sad part. It's it's so like, sad. So sad. Hey, hey, if I wanted to be exploited, I just would have stayed with Chrome. Chrome, you know, it right. Simpler. Right. Right. Exactly. I just it, it, I just. Just wish they would fix this. Um, Semi-related to this, uh, in the past week, one of the many new features Microsoft added to Edge uh, this year, this calendar year, uh, all of a sudden, uh, people started noticing that every time you uh, were browsing the web, everything that you did on the web was being sent to Bing. Now, this sounds nefarious, right? Yeah. But no, that what this is is a poorly written new feature uh, that allows you to follow influencers or whatever on YouTube and other sites, I guess. Uh, even though though there's systems for doing that exist in those services, uh, you could do it through your Edge web browser. There's a collections interface you might be familiar with. They added it to that. Um, this thing has been part of collections for many months. It's just that there was no obvious UI for it. So they added the obvious UI and now it tracks you everywhere you go. So Microsoft uh, said they were investigating it. It appears to be a mistake. So they're probably going to fix it in a that made it feature. all the way into production. Yep. Again, because that's what happens when you don't test features. Yeah. In an insider program, which Edge does have an insider program. So I don't know. I don't know if that one was actually that. Maybe that one was uh, tested. I don't know. So anyone out there still using Edge? Uh, we need to have a word. <laughs> this, this, I this still use problems. it, and this is probably inertia as much as anything yeah, else is for my PDF reader. I don't use it to browse the web. Oh, for your PDF reader. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I can get Firefox to do that instead, but I like to separate. Yeah. I like to separate. What? Not it. Adobe? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> somebody, so you're saying somebody... that Edge has two good uses. You can mm-hmm. use it to install Firefox and use it as a PDF Perfect. reader. There you go. Keep it around. Like it. Nice. The reason being I want it, I don't want it to PDFs to get into my Firefox. I want to keep them separate. Okay. Ooh. Is that a PDF Gross. in your Firefox? Sticky. 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 There isn't really a strong, compelling reason to use Edge except that it's just what the default, right? I mean, there's no is there yeah. anything it does better than anything. I mean, Safari, as you say, has an um, advantage. It's simple. Right. And it's clean. Well, look, there are no, there there are user interface niceties to edge that people like and, and edge in this way is a lot like windows there's a million features 
And yeah, you know, this guy likes this feature. This guy likes this feature, right, you know, that kind right, of thing. And right, so right. it's, it's become a grab bag of stuff. I, I, the original vision of this was it for it to be, you know, remember we're going to get out of your way and not don't, they would use Chrome with a small C, like, don't worry about the browser Chrome. We're going to show you the content. It was all about that kind of thing. And it really kind of isn't, um, Newman says uh, Edge is great for touch. That that might be yeah. a good, that might be a good reason to do it. Okay, well those yeah. seventeen guys can use that. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, Iridescent Ox <laughs> says I love yeah. the read aloud feature. Yeah, there you edge. go. There you yeah. go. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, there are definitely things that it does. You know, I I think some of the chat. Well, I'm sorry, <laughs> the Bing ch chat uh, bot integration is kind of interesting to people. You know, yeah, that's sure. why. Yeah, that was um, what got me kind of to re. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, browser page. makers are starting to do sidebars. The idea is that you're on a page doing something. And you don't want to leave to go do something else. You could have this other thing on the side. And that's uh, that's interesting. I mean, I, I don't care myself, but I mean, that's something that people like. And yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, the problem is, for, I don't, God, I'm going to bring up Edge just to look at it. I hate myself. Scooter X says, um, you're, this is the Edge case. Yes, it's yeah. Making the it's, edge case. The, the, yeah, the, the 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 problem with this kind of thing is, I would argue that most of these features are are better added to a browser via uh, an extension, right? And that in doing so, you create something that would, of course, would not just work on your browser. You it would work any on any Chromium based browser. Microsoft doesn't want that, and they want people to use this thing. And I, I just. I, 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 I don't know. It just makes me, ugh. every time I look at this thing, I want to, I just, it makes me sad. It's too bad. But it does split screen. You want split screen? Oh boy. Mm -hmm. People like split screen. I don't know. Anyhow, there you go. There's that. That was our, and, that was <laughs> between widgets and edge. You just used half an hour of, of my life. I know, that I'm never going to get back. So. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Or I'm well, or you're welcome, you know, really. I don't know. I don't know how you want to take that. I've, I've literally spent this entire time customizing widgets because you cause yeah, nice. brought it up. I'm trying sorry. to, okay, then trying then to get I it very, to work. Then, then I am sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can I can state with some certainty you will never get that where you want it. To yeah, be. no, you're right. Yeah, and I wish, like I said, I, I they, they could make this thing useful. And the way to do that is to only, to have a view where the news feed disappears and you only have the, the widgets you decide on. And one of the side benefits of that could be, I don't know that it is today, that uh, information sources like Bloomberg or whatever could create their own widget. And then you could have these widgets for high quality sources that you chose that just appear there. That would be kind of nice. I just um, want to take Microsoft out of my stock watch list, but they won't let me. I don't care. I don't want <laughs> oh, no, you need to watch. Oh, no, I don't want to watch. Please. <laughs> they tape the eye. They tape the eyelids open. You're going to watch. <laughs> oh, God. It's not. I mean, I just I'm not I don't have any Microsoft stock, so I really don't care. Right. <sighs> okay. Well, now we know what to get you for Christmas. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know what? The best Christmas present I ever got. Uh, gave Michael, our 20-year-old, a Green Bay Packers fan. I bought him yep. a share in the Green yeah, Bay Packers, nice. and he's got it framed on I, the wall. Uh, so I had a friend uh, from back from grade school who in the early 1990s gave me a share of Commodore stock. And guess how much that's worth today? <laughs> but what a piece of history you have. There. Yes, yeah. I still have it, actually. Yeah. It's kind of a cool. Because you were an Amiga guy. Like a, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful-looking document for sure. Yeah. Yes, yes, stock certificates 
are really they're beautiful. Cool. Yeah, they're yeah. beautiful. I don't know what where they're used, but we had to get our uh, a copy of our wedding certificate. I guess is that what it's called a wedding mm-hmm. certificate uh, for when we bought the apartment in Mexico. And this thing came and it was in Boston, had gold leaf. Wait on a it. minute, so I was like, the, you have to prove you're married to get an apartment together in Mexico. If we were bought, uh, <laughs> so if you're we were not living Mexico. in sin. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. We had to do it for. Yes, I don't. I guess so. No, I, I guess know. your joint contest. Uh, prove, prove a marriage. Yeah, yeah but here in the too. U.S., you could just say, you know, we we we, you know, we don't. Yeah. No, don't no, we never needed person, it. But the, we, I we we had never seen this before. Oh, that's funny. So <laughs> her parents <laughs> got it at the wherever they did it locally, and they sent it to us. And I was like, this oh, is isn't that sweet. We should get another one of these. This is really that. nice. Put it yeah, over the marital bed. It's it's pretty. The marital bed. Anything that happens to the bed stays in the bed. There you go. So, <laughs> do you want to talk hardware vendors please, dying? Please, yes. please, Intel. Yeah, continuing the theme of the PC industry is in trouble. Um, Intel and AMD just released their earnings. Intel, um, I don't think it's These unkind to say circling the drain, maybe. Um, a loss of $2.8 billion in revenues oh. of 11.7, which is a 36% year-over-year uh, downfall, if you will, in revenues. Um, obviously the PC part of the business, which is their Intel client computing group, um, is the big problem. And well, data center is pretty bad too, actually. So, um, uh, client computing fell 38% revenue wise to 5.8 billion, uh, data center and AI business data center fell 39% uh, to 3.7 billion. Um, I mean, Intel they, they, foundry services, which is the future of the company down 24%. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, but all of these things were up because of the pandemic. And yeah, and the other the other part of it that I think is <laughs> yeah. interesting on this is, and they're they would have made money, but they're building so many foundries right now. They spent a tremendous yeah. Amount so of right, money. the one thing Intel is doing is investing heavily in their future, and that's the foundry services part of it. And yeah, uh, yeah. partly getting out of Southeast Asia, like don't yeah. build in Taiwan. Yeah. Right? Like you, Although, you, know, you know, I so yes. First, first of all, I is this smart? Is this the right strategy? I think it's it's. It's a strategy. I mean, it's a good idea. Um, I do think we need more of these companies that can build these things, right? Yeah. We don't, not just TMSC. Um, but I, I, uh, maybe one of you guys will remember. I, I just saw a headline that, yeah, no, I remember. Uh, they're going to build a foundry. Uh, TMSC is going to in Germany. TS- by the way. TSMC. TSMC. I'm sorry. And um, that. Well, there you go. I mean, that's going to be the problem. Yeah, because their their foundry in Arizona is foundering. I thought maybe. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, yeah. They don't like the um, so they they were using money from the Chips Act, but there's some right. very severe restrictions on what you could do with the Chips Act. Well, so. they want it to be they they want most of that to be U.S. companies, right? right? I mean, the right. the point of it is yeah. So maybe Germany's a more favorable environment. I I'm positive it is. So I mean, I think uh, spreading the wealth, so to speak, makes sense no matter which company we're talking about here. So um, yeah, you want these things all over the place because. You know, what happens to Apple if China just wakes up one day and says, yeah, yeah, we're shutting this all down. You know, trust me, Apple's well aware of this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the world's biggest company, well, right, could be brought to their knees by. Well, uh, if you look at the facilities they built out in India for exactly that reason. Right. right? Foxconn's had a whole group over there. The the phone 14s being built in India, not in China. Right. right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Some uh, of them, that's some of them. Are. It's going to. Yeah. It's going to take a while, but, but it's yeah, it's coming. Uh, or they're trying to at least diversify there. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, AMD is not uh, immune to the same problem. So uh, AMD net loss, 139 million on revenues of 5.4 billion. I just kind of put that in perspective. Um, AMD 
used to be, I would say, a, a quarter to one third the size of Intel. Yeah, not even. Yeah, the fact it's that ha- they- it's it's half. It's half. Half. That's a big change. Uh, not that they're doing well. I mean, net income pledged one hundred eighteen percent. Revenues fell only nine percent. But their client group, which is the PC market part of it, sixty five percent drop. Uh, to just, it's not even a billion dollars, like $739 million. Um, last year, the same quarter, they had $2.1 billion in revenues. And uh, and actually, their uh, client stuff is kind of split between that and gaming, right? Because they sell graphics products for the PC and also the gaming industries. Um, that actually was flat, <laughs> pretty much. It was down, I think, maybe down 1% or something. Um, was it $1.76 in revenues? I think it was one point or something it was it was close it was it wasn't too bad these but, are the uh, numbers that make me not surprised that companies like microsoft are pulling back yeah. because they these are sort of the leading indicators for impact for them on, uh, as a trailing indicator like they're now worried about their next quarters looking at these um i hope it doesn't i hope it isn't true that they're they're misreading it but right. certainly on the hardware side there's so many factors moving on here but i think the big one is that they're investing so heavily because they've been driven to that yeah, they, yeah. they probably would have done a lot better without all of this investment, without anticipating the downturn they were going to have. Listen, if they could be the biggest turnaround in the world and we'll be singing their praises in three or four years, who can say, yeah. but I, it's a big bet. I, I, I give them credit for taking the bet. I mean, it's, 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 um, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But here's the good news. Um, we, we're always looking for that light at the end of the tunnel. And interestingly, both Intel and AMD predicted that they would see growth in the second half of the year um, and that the PC and server markets are going to rebound. So um, not to, you know, pandemic levels. I, I think right now everyone will be very happy with pre-pandemic levels. But yeah. um, obviously we're looking for this thing to. We are, um, we are dealing to, with an oscillation here. That is yeah, the yeah. feedback. Of the so that's going to be ugly. Yeah. Short term is pretty ugly. Yeah. All right, let's uh now that we've really cheered everybody up, uh mm-hmm. let's uh, change the subject for a second and talk about our sponsor if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. And then back with more, we'll talk Microsoft 365, we'll talk Surface. I'm sure there's some Xbox news Paul can shoehorn into the show. <laughs> Just a little. And some brown liquor, I'm sure, coming up as well. But first a word from our sponsor Melissa, the address experts from forms on a web page to checkout, your customer data comes from a lot of different places. Sometimes the customer enters it. Sometimes your CSRs enter it. In either case, you've got room for error, right? Or incomplete customer information. Error is probably the worst, but, you know, empty fields aren't great either. With Melissa's <laughs> interestingly named Personator Consumer Tool... Let me actually, it's exactly what it does. So maybe it is a good name. You can get a superior snapshot of your customer, a personator consumer tool. The enrichment of contact data is, of course, immensely valuable. It can improve your analytics, it can help you with your marketing campaigns, and maybe most importantly, fraud detection, which you may even have a regulatory requirement for. Personator consumer not only appends additional data, you know, stuff that feels unfilled, for instance, but but verifies name, address, contact information, date of birth. Uh, if you need socials, social security numbers, all of that could be done uh, quickly for a quick identity verification check. It will enrich data with geographic and demographic information for you. So you're verifying your customer 
but also, uh, you know, helping to understand them better so you can give them the best possible customer service. When you have highly specific demographics, you can personalize your marketing, right? Find the best leads, offer the best service, offer the best deals for your customer situation. With Melissa, you gain access to appendable demographics, including, and but this is not a full list, including but not limited to deceased information, occupation, presence of children in the household, number of adults in the household, marital status, homeowner or renter, household income, in a range, not exact, right? Length of residence, and more. Melissa's address verification tools leverage 38 years of address verification expertise. It's flexible. It'll fit into any business model. It's accurate. It's automatic. It's fast. Melissa's global service can verify addresses for 240 countries and counting to ensure that only valid billing and shipping addresses enter your system. And, of course, your data is absolutely secure with Melissa. SOC 2 compliant, HIPAA, GDPR compliant. Your data is in the best possible hands. Make sure your customer contact data is up to date. Get started today with 1,000 records cleaned for free. Just go to melissa.com slash twit. melissa.com slash twit. We thank them so much for the support of, uh, of uh, Windows Weekly. And, uh, and you support Windows Weekly as a winner and a dozer by uh, using that address that way you know they know that you saw it here and that's important to us melissa.com slash twit thank you melissa you are uh, still in the how long are you going to be in the uh, temporary apartment is this i don't know we're going to figure out our next steps here yeah we have a short-term lease so won't be forever i don't think so yeah we were. Uh, if I were you, I'd be in Mexico now and forever. I listen. I, please. I can know. you? What are the residency requirements? Can you? Do you have to leave every few months? No, I could stay there for a year now. A year, and then go home for how long? Just for a minute. Oh, <laughs> just, just cross leave the border back. once. Yeah. Yep. Come up, visit us, go back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll always I promise. Have a, I have I'm kids a, and cats and uh, uh, kids. I know kids. We'll get there. We'll get there. Cats. Okay, but kids are harder to. I'm thinking about abandoning them. Yeah, I'm thinking about killing the cats. <laughs> no, don't say that. You're going to get us in a lot of trouble. He's not, folks. He's joking. I'm kidding. He's God, kidding. I've had, I've had cats my whole life. He loves the He's kitties. Had, they're a little entitled. Oh God, they are cats. Yeah. So last night I go to bed. Sammy's on. They look like the sphinxes. One side yeah. <laughs> of the bed sitting right. like this. Paris is at the other side of the bed. Look, they were like guard cats. And they say one of our cats, one of our cats has done everything she can to kill herself. Like she's multiple times has tried to kill herself. Nine lives. And her latest thing is she'll, she'll go under the covers of the bed. Yeah. And just be, it's just like a lump on the bed. So like there's no breathe. There's no, uh, I plop down on the bed to put my socks on. And next to me, I hear (laughs) she goes, (laughs) 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 it's like cat. I I, I literally am going to kill you someday. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, okay. Not smart. Okay. Not but smart. we love cats and yeah. we are not in any way advocating cat no. violence. No. No. Um, well, sometimes. No, no. <laughs> no, never. Never, no. ever, ever. Lisa is such a cat lover. Sure. We now have pillows throughout the house with cats on them. In case a cat is not available, you can sure. pat the pillow. We have a cat shaped object available to you everywhere. Wow. And, mm. and I should show you some pictures. We've got. There's one area of the living room, the main living area, that is entirely cat 
toys, cat playthings, cat towers. Have we? Um, cat is it time to have that conversation about cat ladies and? Oh, she's a cat you know. lady. Yeah, she says that. She, I knew it when I married her. I knew it. It's fine. Right. I actually like cats. It is what it is. It is what it is. I like cats. I don't, I don't mind it. Sure. I don't mind it. We we're animal free at the moment, and it's not bad. Well, but see, know? we were talking about this because Paul can't. You know, Paul has. I can't leave. He, Paul yeah. has obligations. I stayed, in, I stayed in a house and paid property taxes because I have a dog. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, I, exactly. I did at the time, yeah, know? exactly. It's like my daughter said. You know, she's like, I, she wanted to be able to come home at Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, to have dinner because we have this beautiful room and everything. I'm like, Kelly, I'm not paying $8,500 a year in property taxes so you can come home for a weekend and have your dream dinner. <laughs> you know, like this is not how the this is not how the world works. Yeah, it's not the system. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anywho, Lisa anyway. is now sending me cat pictures, hoping that I will go. I will play them on the air, but I'm not going to do that to you, kids. We will move okay. on to Microsoft 365er. Yeah, so anyone who has engaged with Microsoft on the web on the commercial side of the house has mm. probably noticed that there are hundreds and hundreds of domains. And that if you just interact with a, a few of them, you kind of forget where to go. It's like I have Microsoft 365 and Azure and like, what, what's where, like, where am I going? You know, that kind of thing. So. Uh, they announced the inevitable that they're going to move to a single uh, top-level domain for all of this stuff over time. I mean, they'll forward the old domain names, obviously. And um, I, I, when I first read this, I assumed what they meant was Microsoft.com and that the cohesive domain would be cloud.microsoft.com. But no, the, the top-level domain is .microsoft. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> so um, – if you go to Microsoft 365 or Office.com, whatever it is today, in in the future, this will be dot Microsoft. And so that's a lot of typing. I know, I know. I mean, it was dot ms. I could almost get behind it. Yep. I think yeah, dot ms is that Mississippi? I don't know. No, probably not. Actually, I don't know. Montserrat. Montserrat. Yeah. I was checking. <laughs> now listen, we are talking Microsoft. Yep. Like. The number two most valuable, they could buy Montserrat. I mean, yep. it's just not that hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and they could put a Microsoft store there. It'd be good. Mm-hmm. But they're yeah, it's going to be cloud.microsoft. So you know, they tried to buy my dot ms. Right? They must have tried. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, msft Microsoft. maybe. I don't know. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I think they were going for memorable. Yeah, I'm remembering to never type this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's happening. All right. So that's not a big deal. Okay. That, but that's happening. Um, a bigger deal. Um, we've got two previews that have occurred that people have been waiting for in some ways. Uh, Loop preview, right? So I've been using that. That's cool. Uh, now supports personal accounts. Good. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think we're we should probably experiment with doing that for the show notes. Maybe we'll do that in a few weeks. Um, yeah, that's right. I have uh, used now that I've been able to kind of use it uh, out in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say. Yes, very much like Notion, but also has some of the keyboard shortcuts from Microsoft Office or Microsoft Word, I guess, that I nice. like. And you know, so it has that advantage. Um, and then Microsoft Designer is also available in an open preview. That was available previously in, a, I think, a limited preview of some kind. Speaking so, about domains, that's designer.microsoft.com. Designer.microsoft. Oh, of, course. <laughs> of course. It's okay. Um, I it's a, That's a hmm. good domain, man. Like, people remember that. No, no, I mean... <laughs> I meant the product. Yeah, you know, the oh, domain's the good. No, the, yeah, the nobody domain's cares good. about the product. That's yeah, great. No. It's 
Well, it, I think people are confused by the product. It's kind of a, uh, a tool like Canva, if you're familiar with that kind of mm-hmm. thing, or, um, what's the Adobe Adobe. I think it's just, what's, what's the Adobe thing called? Uh, not creative cloud, but creative, uh, just express Adobe express, but it used to right. be called creative cloud express. So it's just a web service that helps you create graphics and other assets for websites and social media and stuff like that. So if you're a content creator, you would use a service like that. It's okay. It has some, um, some of the Bing chatbot, you know, uh, integration stuff. So you can describe something to it and we'll create a, a graphic of it. It looks like kind of a Dolly style thing mm-hmm. because that's what it is on the back end. So Dolly engines involved. Yeah. Yep. That's okay. I, I've used other things. I, I use other things. I, I, I do need, have this need. I, I was uh, thinking I'm going to, I'm going to take this thing off for Bing to build the graphics for a new slide deck I need. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I use stuff like this to create graphics for our Eternal Spring um, YouTube channel. But the trick been, is to get a consistent style, right? I mean, that's really what you want. It's like I got yeah. 10 slides here for 10 ideas I want to communicate, but I want them to all have that sort of they hang together. Yeah, I, I, I have a semi-unique need in the sense that because I have this website and I have to use graphics on each image or in each article, you, you can go to Unsplash and, you know, Pixabay and stuff and this, all the stock photo, you know, stuff mm-hmm. you can use. It's, it's honestly, it's pretty good, but of course you don't own it. Right. So, and what I mean by that is that picture could appear anywhere. Right. Right. So, okay. I mean, it's okay. It's not the yeah, worst no. thing in the world. Stock it, photo generator. Yeah. It's well, that's the thing. I mean, these AI services now you can create, I haven't done this, this yet, but you can create a photo realistic image that is, will be unique to you. And that there's some value to that. Right. Um, I got, uh, we got in trouble a few years ago where Microsoft back in, I don't know, 2016 held a build conference as they do, uh, as in, they do, as they do. And they had these graphical assets. It was a picture of the Seattle, you know, skyline with the build logo on it. And right. of course every me and everyone else used that photo uh, to talk about build, you know, builds coming on whatever date and then years go by and their license for it expires. And then the photographer that took that photo went and tried to sue everybody because we're all using his photo and it's like dude what are you what are you talking about it i i you can clearly see i'm using the microsoft version of mm-hmm. it go get them um, have but, fun with suing them but that's a that's a real issue so yeah. it's uh you know this stuff is interesting so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on there well and it is interesting to say like how are you going to prove that you have a generated image if someone says you know i'm going to sue you for this well it's like hey i use dali to generate this yeah right right um yeah i don't know i I mean, I guess I could just <laughs> take a screenshot of Dolly and be like, here it is. So yeah, here's when I made it. You know, like, is that what I need to do? I need to screenshot me making it and then, yeah. and then save the image. Well, you do, we, we do this for stuff, right? So what I just did this for something. Um, I canceled uh, some online service. I've gotten in trouble in the past where I, I'll just make, I, it wasn't really Paramount Plus, but one of those types of services where I sign up, I use it for the free month and then I cancel. And then a month goes by and I get a bill and I'm like, I cancel this. And they're like, I, we don't see any record of that. And so I've actually started taking screenshots of the site when I cancel stuff. When you cancel like, it, yeah. It's like, guys, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if this is a, an official record, but I, I can at least prove to myself that I did it. I don't know how well this is going to work, but what I've lately been doing, you know, we have a sponsor called privacy.com where mm-hmm. you can generate credit cards. And I always generate them for yes. that kind of thing. And That's then, so smart to and do, And then I just yeah. stop it. I just pause the yep. credit card of course. and say, you yep. figure it out. I'm not paying you anymore. I like yeah. the idea of a one-use credit card number. Um, yeah. You can do it for like one-time purchases is one thing. I know uh, Amex does this and there are probably other credit cards, but 
what you're talking about is a car. It's like um, when you create a unique email address for an email yeah. newsletter. It has a variety you, of uses. So you could say this yeah. is for one time only. You could say it's or for this merchant recurring. only. Right, right. Uh, you can set a limit to how much money. And then it has a pause feature. So anytime there's a subscription that I don't want anymore, instead of, I know, I'm sure companies well, hate this. I just No, but you got to do this stuff. It's And it's also, um, I think the problem with subscriptions is you forget. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot. I think mm-hmm. a, a huge part of this business model relies on people just not looking at their banking accounts. Right. You know, they they, oh, they totally. don't see it coming up. It's the gym. Um, I mean, how many times have you yeah, joined a gym, yeah. and then just kind of stopped going after a while, but still pay for it? Yep. Right. That's right. how all gyms work. They don't expect to use it. As someone who goes to the gym, I love those people. By the way, so <laughs> yeah, keep, right. They're keep, subsidizing keep, you. Keep doing that. That's yeah, right. Exactly. They're keeping the gym price low. Yep. Uh, this is less exciting than I'd hoped, but Microsoft announced a, a major, I'll call it a visual and maybe even a functional overhaul of, um, OneDrive. Nice. Uh, none of it is available now. Uh-huh. <laughs> so if you go through wow. the list of all the stuff that's coming, uh, they did a basic redesign of the homepage. It's not a big deal, but all the big stuff, the for you section, which is all AI driven stuff that you need to know about. Uh, the ability to browse by the people you're working with or the meetings that you've had, see all the documents associated with each, um, on and on and on it goes. None of that's available. So depending on the feature, it's coming this quarter, later this year, by the end of the year. <laughs> like they have all this different language. So it's like this year, oh, and I should say, I'm sorry, the fa- the final wah, wah, wah is this is only for work and school, right? It's not for the uh, the um, consumer account. So even though uh, this this should be coming to everybody, um, and probably some of it will, right? But they haven't announced anything for consumers. So this is only for work and school accounts. Um, so yeah, someday, <laughs> I guess it's coming. I don't know. Oh, I'm trying, to, I, I'm trying uh, to figure out if there's business here anymore, right? I mean, everybody needs to store stuff. There's so much given away. There's so many different places. Like I feel for the drop boxes of the world, right. just because, you know, the Googles and the Microsofts don't need to make money off of storage. Yeah. I, I, someone asked me about this. They, someone asked a question around, okay, so I don't use OneDrive like this. <laughs> like I don't use it on the web. Why are they doing this? Like what, what, what is mm-hmm. the point of this? You know? And I, I, and this is a very Microsoft thing. I mean, people interact with these services in different ways. There are probably half a dozen or more uh, entry points to OneDrive. You could access it through teams. You can obviously go through the file system integration in windows. You could use it in a mobile app. Um, and some of these things are, uh, there's a, uh, well, not an office app, but Microsoft 365 app now in windows. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> different people do different things. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you yeah. were on a Chromebook, you'd have to do it this way, right? Well, um, maybe it's also like the gym model where a lot of people yeah. pay for it, but don't use it. I bet you that's the case. That you just oh, with online f- storage. De- definitely. Yeah. You definitely. forget about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's also those people that kind of abuse it. Like they'll throw up like a gigabyte of whatever nonsense, like video rips and stuff, and then never access it even once. And Microsoft right. has to, you know, legally take care of that. Um, I, I'm sure it's a little bit of both, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I tried to separate this story out from my previous seven rants on this episode because, you know, I want to spread the wealth a little bit. But <laughs> you will be delighted to know that Microsoft is soon going to change Outlook for Windows. And I assume they mean the new Outlook, but I'm not sure. And also Microsoft Teams, all the web links in those apps are going to open in Microsoft Edge. 
even if you've chosen a different browser. So let's let that one sink in for a second. <laughs> right? Sound familiar? This is nothing the strategy, new. Yeah. Strategy they use right in Windows 11, right? Um, I think that's, let's see, yeah, uh, corporate customers are going to have the ability to change this, right? Which is good. But what about people? Are we going to have the ability to change this? So in other words, you've chosen Chrome. You're using Outlook as your email client. Someone has sent you an email with a link. You click on it and it doesn't open in Chrome. It opens in Edge. And, and still the numbers are low. <laughs> They're doing everything they can, though. How many ways, yeah, how many ways can they get you to use Edge before you just use Edge? I don't know. I don't know. This kind of thing uh, makes me sad. I don't know mm -hmm. what to say here. I don't know what yeah. to say. I'll just say nothing. I think yeah. I've said it all. This now is the company. Go. Now, here's a question for you. <laughs> yeah. I kind of wish Mary Jo were here. Do you, is, do you know, is she still using her... Uh, She's, she never used it. She never used she it. Gave it she, no, she yeah. never used it. She had it. Yeah. She well, never she wanted was, to give it a shot. I yeah. think she that's, said that's it. I, I returned mine. Uh, sure. That was the normal they, response. They were that. expensive. Yeah. $1,500 I mean, schmackers. a lot of money. I wouldn't spend that much on a Google Pixel folding phone or a Samsung folding phone. I'm not going to spend that much Google, on a Microsoft. I was going to want you to spend two grand on their folding phone, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's, clearly, that's another story. Um, we're talking about the Duo. Yeah. The Surface Duo, they're the two-screen with a hinge phone that Microsoft has done two versions of. Where is yeah. version three? <laughs> so <laughs> there was a, there was a rumor uh, semi recently about that, saying that you know Microsoft had kind of held off on releasing a version three because possibly they were going to move to a, a like a folding screen device like you see everywhere else. And look, whatever anyone thinks about Surface Duo, I think anyone would agree this was kind of a holding pattern until Microsoft could get its hands on folding screen tech that worked for them and and we're going to do that right um but is the folding screen tech work for anyone right some people love it and say stacy so know? i had a you know i've had both the galaxy fold and the and the flip yeah i kind of um, liked the flip i thought it was cool but i didn't want to use it yeah. as my daily driver I gave it to stacy uh higginbotham on on twiggin right she uses it it's her daily driver she still i asked her the other day wow. last week is it creased? Is it weird looking? You've been using it for almost a year. She said, no, it's fine. Yeah. Some people like it. I, I think women especially like the Yeah, of course, because it, it, yeah, it can fit in a little bag. flip because yeah. it's small. It's like yep. a pocket square. It could fit in your jacket pocket. Yeah, I thought or, my wife would want that exact phone for that reason. And actually, she does want a folding phone, but she wants the big folding phone. Yeah, the big <laughs> right. one's okay. really big because it's got a, yeah. it's double thickness. They've, and right. they've got to solve that before it really... Right. Uh, but I still worry about the... The screen and the multiple yep. folds. I just, I don't know. I don't think they're that. It looks kind of weird after a while. It kind of looks creased. Yeah. 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 Only it's time's going to prove that out, right? There's nothing else that'll, that'll yeah, show. We'll see. So, uh, but that, that was the rumor as of, I don't know, late last year. But um, there's been a report in Windows Central from Zach Bowden, who we trust, that um, this thing is in trouble. And the reason isn't like, it's just like it's not selling well, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just that there's been a lot of internal reorgs and layoffs. And there's really not that many people working in this part of the company anymore. And it, what it's done is really slowed work on anything. So, you know, one of the thing, one of the issues with Duo, one of the many issues is, kind of a slow rollout of Android versions. Um, uh, Duo got Android 12L last October, which was right when Android 13 became available, or actually after. 
Um, and it's gotten no updates pretty much, uh, not even fixes or improvement. You know, just anything. out of stock in Canada. I can't get one. Yeah. So Microsoft has said, uh, it has nothing to share well, when it comes now, to service. Store. Now I want one. Yeah. Now you yeah. want one. <laughs> now that it's dead. Nice. I want one. Now that I can't, now that I can't order it. Yep. Is order that it because to, they don't have a care? Why can't you order it? I don't understand that. I mean, it says out of stock. Out of yeah. stock. So they're not. Oh, so it's that's probably true in the U.S. It's never too, been right? sold through carriers, right? This is right. sold like a device. It's sold right. like yeah. a computer. I mean, you just right. kind of buy it. Well, and and she who must be obeyed dropped her phone down the concrete driveway oh, no. on the coast. What did she have? What was she using? It was a four A, so it doesn't owe oh, anybody Lord. anything. Oh my god, that's amazing. That's right. Uh, I've been trying to. I've been trying to get her to replace that phone for forever. Oh, that's a anyway, amazing. It, yep. it, it turns that's out that, phone, that actually thirty yeah. meters yeah. down a face down on a concrete driveway. Yep. leaves a couple of marks. Yeah, right. So, all right, there's a she seven to a five A. What seven happened? A's what, coming? She, seven A's coming. Uh, yeah. she, she thought it was too big. She wanted the six A because okay. it was smaller. Well, six A is very good. So, six A is a nice phone. Yeah, yes, that's good and uh, getting the screen protector for it. Just saying, I don't lose those. Yes. I take my chances. Yeah, you live on the edge. Leo. I live I on the edge. Yeah. yeah, I live on the edge. You know what I actually? Well, plus do. you're also you you use phones and move on. You know, I, I mean, you she's, know, I that's she's maybe, been using a, a Pixel Four A for yeah, what three true. years? Or a maybe? while. A yeah. long but time. I, what I do is the wallet thing, so it has a lid. Yeah. So if I. The problem is if you dropped it when it was open, that doesn't protect it. But if it's sure. closed, it's not going to – the screen is somewhat – I like right. the idea of one device. You know, my wallet is in here. Mm -hmm. My cards are in here. My driver's I thieves like this a lot too because it's just one thing to take. It's yeah. perfect for thieves. <laughs> and now that I'm putting yeah. Google Pass keys yeah. on it, they have access to everything, which is, Jeez. you know, a convenience. <laughs> just unlock my phone and you have me. Uh, yeah. I well, uh, I have I've been in IoT hell this week. I've mentioned this before on other shows, <laughs> and okay. I'm really looking forward to the day when I can actually move to a home with hot and cold running water, maybe mm -hmm. electricity, but but no internet, no phones, <laughs> no nothing. Just I want um, a, not a cabin in the woods. I'm not going crazy, yeah. but just I'm I can to recommend to you if you go to certain areas of Mexico, yeah. you can own a home that has a toilet that you can't flush anything down so you have to put stuff in a waste paper well, i know about mm -hmm. that that's uh, mm -hmm. see i that's the first thing i asked plan. you by the way when you got your apartment is yeah, can you right. flush toilet paper because everywhere yeah, like, i've ever about? been yeah. in mexico you can't oh no 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 so you're you, no, i, I live in realize, civilization i didn't realize the middle ages has ended sure <laughs> um, i mean it's just a hole over like a pit but it's yeah. fine you know it's, yeah but you can put anything in it that's the yeah, it's a sinkhole you goes down a long way you can put a car in there if you want it's fine you know, oh my God. nobody cares. Oh my God. Where did we go wrong? <sighs> All right. Why don't you like them focusing on Surface as the brand rather than Microsoft as the brand? I mean, it's a yep. surprise yep. because. Because everyone's heard everything. the brand Microsoft and no right. one's heard the brand Surface. Surface. And those who have heard the brand Surface are going to assume that those things are only for Surface. Right. No, that's, I think that's, that's the problem. That's the summary, essentially. Yeah. And, and all this time they've spent getting rid of Windows as the brand, Microsoft, they own. And now they're going to go the other way on this? I like, know. I, I don't I, know. I, did, did, did Panos Panay have a good, like, rock, paper, scissors or something? Like, I can't, how, so, how do you get this? I This is one of the weird things about this decision. Um, the first couple of Surface devices had the Surface logo on them. And I think it might have been Surface Pro 3, if not right after that where they switched it to Microsoft because that was the stronger brand. And I, right. it's kind of hard to argue with that. 
So now what the Microsoft has said is we're, we're going to consolidate our PC peripheral hardware business under the Surface brand. And I think that's a mistake. No, it's the um, whole, you know, they didn't want these, they, these products to sell well. This is a way to do it. <laughs> yeah. There's, well, yeah, there's that too. There's also, I mean, Microsoft has a rich history with hardware. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. don't appreciate this. Um, they, their first mouse was bundled with the MS-DOS version of sure. Microsoft Word back in 1983. You had to get a mouse um, into, into people's hands somehow, right? Yep. Like, yep. And uh, I, uh, the IntelliMouse was so popular, they brought it back sometime in the past year, year and a half. The wired IntelliMouse, right, with the red light, like that was a huge thing yep. for them. Their ergonomic keyboards have always been uh, very popular and even, you know, bestsellers such as they are within that space. Um, my favorite keyboard, the one I'm using right now is a Microsoft Sculpt ergonomic keyboard and mouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you telling me these things, I, look, look, if this thing comes out and it has a surface logo on it, I couldn't care less. That's fine. No. And but that's what I, you're, that's what this seems but, to say. Uh, I hope so. I don't, I, I can't imagine they're going to take all of their hardware. I mean, this might be Again, their this does benefit you because nobody else will buy it and you, then you can get them because half the time you can't find the flipping things. That's true. I've actually, I've, I've actually uh, bought these things in bulk, and I have one extra one sitting in my closet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I uh, it's really important just, to me. I should go back to the Microsoft Store yeah. on campus and see what else I can. Grab I brought one there. to Mexico to make sure I have it there. I mean, yep. it's, I love these things. Back so, this. yeah, we'll see what happens. But anyway, it's. I mean, the great thing about a bad decision like this is they get another one out of it when they turn it back the other way. Again. <laughs> it's it's like new Coke. You're saying that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, we'll see. I just, I just think that was the wrong, wrong yeah. decision. It goes against everything else they've been doing. Yeah. So it's so it's not an Intel mouse anymore. It's a Surface mouse. Well, we don't actually know. So uh, all we know is that they're going to go forward with the Surface brand. I would imagine some subset of existing Microsoft branded products will become Surface branded products. But I bet they use this as an opportunity to get rid of things. get rid of them all the line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, we'll it backs up my decision to buy six IntelliMouses a few years ago. <laughs> nice. Never, never yeah. uh, run out. Yeah. I don't right. want the ocean plastic mouse. No. No. And I definitely I thought, don't yeah. want the Arc. That's. Do you uh, have, yeah. Yeah. No, not unless you want carpal tunnel syndrome. Yeah. yeah. It seems um, like a bad idea. I don't know. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible I, mouse. I've been buying gamer mouses. I mean, other if the you can razor. turn the bloody blinky lights off, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they're quality built devices. They're too sensitive. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. main the main thing is, can you get in there and shut off the bloody LEDs? Once you do that, right. they're usable. Sure. I yeah, I don't care because my my keyboard I, tray is under the desk. I don't I don't see it. But I don't know what I'm going to do. Something familiar looking, right? That's it's, vintage. Yeah, that's, that's the classic. That's yeah. the one. And I think this uh, so. Is so that was so popular. Made, they right? they brought it back. They make those new now. And it's like with a wires. So they still make them. So maybe I should buy some more because I think I've gone through my stock. I literally bought half a dozen. Yeah. Because I just like them so much. And and I'm oh. a lefty. So the fact that they're uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. agnostic as to which hand you're using is great. Right. Which is a big problem with mice, actually. Look at that. The pro IntelliMouse. Yeah. They, still, they still sell it. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, back, good. back again. Okay. Now in two colors, you can have both black or white. Black might be all right because <laughs> okay. white, which as long is really as the light is beige, red, I, in, yeah, inevitably you've got stuff. yeah stains. Stains yep. is that what you call it? Okay, <laughs> my sweaty fingers. It's stained with use. Yeah, Intellimouse. Intellimouse. So they still call it the Intellimouse. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might buy a There's few a, more because it really has never been a better mouse. No, I think. 
Buy them by the case. Yeah, 30 bucks on Amazon. Yeah. Last chance. You're wrong. Only eight left in stock, says Amazon. You know they say that on everything? <laughs> I think yeah. they're lying. It's a lies. I think they're lying. Yeah. So can I point out, as we switch to Xbox, that you have nothing about the Activision acquisition here, and I do not understand how this could be. Like, what We talked about it last what week. What point are we on? I win the week before and the week before well, that. That's what makes this week weird. I appreciate your, and I understand your angst, but I will say yes. the first story is technically sort of about the acquisition because mm-hmm. in the wake of the CMA blocking this acquisition. And it Microsoft, is a block, not a concern. Like they just said, right. no, yeah, they said no, which is crazy. The Microsoft has signed yet another 10 year agreement with a European cloud gaming platform. So in mm-hmm. other words, we're concerned about local and we're concerned about cloud gaming. Well, this company isn't concerned. So <laughs> they're from Spain, I think. Uh, they, they are appealing it, right? They can't appeal yeah, it. Yeah, they are, are going to appeal it. Yeah. So there is, some, yeah. you know, there there is an audience for these moves. What I like is the language Microsoft uses. So um, we've signed a 10-year agreement with this company no one's ever heard of called Nware. Uh, we will give them, we will let, let them stream PC games built up by right. Xbox on its platforms as well as Activision Blizzard titles after the acquisition closes. Nice. <laughs> you know, nice. You, you got to imagine this little company, and it's like it's four guys in a garage, right? Yep. And then one day, Brad Smith called. Exactly. And said, hey, what are we going to sign- do? I need you to sign something. Yep. <laughs> You're going to be in the news cycle. How does that sound? Yeah, how does that, that feel sounds, for you? That sounds pretty good. Okay. You'd be, you'd be <laughs> doing me a favor. Right. That's a guy you want to do a favor. Um, Richard hasn't been around on Windows Weekly long enough for this to be tedious yet, but allow me to suggest. <laughs> oh, 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 don't that, uh, don't assume. Don't assume that over time this will become tedious, and this in this case means Microsoft redesigning the Xbox dashboard yet again. Oh boy, um, this dates back. Actually, it dates back all the way to the 360 or the sure. Xbox. Yeah. As long as the show's yeah. been on the air, they've been redesigning yeah. the Xbox yeah. dashboard. Remember that one de- debut with the blade interface that would yeah, slide over with a little yeah, shook yeah. sound, I got right? all excited, yeah. And yeah. then Windows 8 came out and they started yeah. doing the panoramic stuff, which everyone hated. Um, by the time we got to the Xbox One, the issue was that the perform- that this it's weird because they, they went to a Hyper-V kind of architecture, but there was something, this, this thing could play the most beautiful 3d games on earth but the interface itself would just run like molasses and during the life cycle of that console they uh, issued uh, three revs to the console they they changed the dashboard i mean a hundred times maybe but never got it exactly right but they gave up by the end they just said look at this point we're just focusing on reducing the steps it takes to perform every action it was all they could do to make things happen faster you mean the thing we actually wanted to do with it which is play a game yeah so yeah. in the same sense that i i feel like the fedex homepage should look like the google homepage with a search <laughs> box yeah. and then it says do everything else down here in the corner yeah. i feel that the xbox should be here are the last three games you played and here's a button for everything else yes. thank what, you what what are you doing on this console yeah. are we browsing around we're looking no. at background images thank you well here's the thing so they released a new dashboard update again I use the Xbox every day. I got to tell you, I don't really notice too many differences in the UI, like as yeah, little things, no, but nobody cares, right? Well, but like people do care so because hard. people were freaking out because this new design, the buttons were too big and you couldn't see the background image that well. Oh, okay, so that's this important. week, they've solved all of our problems. They've made the icons 
85% of their previous size. And now you can see the background images. And uh, I think they're going to get a ticker tape parade in time. Yeah, do- yeah, dodged a bullet there. Yep. So that's missed, happening. Missed the foot entirely. That's <laughs> crazy. Anyway, that's this is what passes yeah. for drama in the Xbox. Yeah, well, you I mean, you play the same game over and over again, Paul. So you, I wonder if you're an outlier. I I mean, you would just want a big Call of Duty button. And, yeah, and that's, that's that. But I have been I have been experimenting later uh, lately, I should say, uh, and I I I feel like what they do with the what's called the controller bar in Windows 10, which is part of the Xbox game bar, is the right approach, which is sort of what I just said, which was. The last three games, just that's the just right show thing me the last. Yeah, yeah yep. just, you know. So this um, is the last what one two three four five six seven eight nine games, but that's okay. That's well, fun. yeah, but how th- many of them are actually your games, and how many of them are the one they want you to install? Oh, now? I don't yeah. want ads in there. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I don't yeah. get it. I, to me, this is very straightforward. I turn this thing on. I want to play a game. I'm not looking at stuff. I'm not browsing. I'm, you know, whatever. But I know sometimes, obviously, you're browsing the store, but. The store could be one of those things like, what you know, whatever. But I, I in the same way that Windows 11 is, you know, getting a little bit busy. I mean, I think they're, they're trying to sell you stuff, right? And you can look at the screenshot they chose. There's an ad for the Xbox controllers. Right. In the lower right, they, they want you to spend more money. They don't want you just to play the stuff yeah. you bought. They want you to spend more money. This so is, uh, yeah. So this is becoming another variation of the widget morass. Yeah. As long as I can see what celebrities were at whatever event in the corner, I'm going to be good. They don't have to. It doesn't have to take over the whole screen. But where's my Donald Trump tile? <laughs> exactly. I need a Donald Trump right. tile. No, this is fine. So, I, look, I think you're right. Nobody's going to even look at anything else but just what's that first game on the list there? That's the one I played last. That's what yep. I want to start. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think and so. The Xbox, I think that's mostly- I mean. Um, I'm not an expert, but doesn't it just leave the, unless you actively close the game, it's kind of always ready to go in the background, isn't it? That's true. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. You're I trying just, to think on, you should be able to get right back. Yeah. 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 I know. Cause Harry Potter has been searching for something on my Xbox for the last <laughs> six months. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I found it. Uh, I keep checking in. Find it yet, Harry? Nope. Yeah. 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 Cause I don't yeah. close games. I, should I? Is that Close, a no. is that no, a hygienic no, that, no. Uh, issue? That's not a no. It's no, not no. a thing. Okay. No, it handles that for you. <laughs> yep. No, no worries on an Xbox. On a PC, you should close the game, but no, not not on an Xbox. Um, it's May. What is it? May third today. So mm-hmm. we've gotten some Xbox Game Pass and games with gold information for the month. Uh, we're down to two games now for games with gold. So those games are Star Wars Episode One Racer, which is probably pretty good. And then a game I've never heard of called Hoa, which I guess is that Hoa? Okay. I believe uh, that's pronounced Hoa. Yeah, Hoa. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That would be a way better game. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so if you if you are of Xbox Live Gold or Xbox Game Pass of any kind, you can get those two games uh, during this month for free. And then on the where is it? The Xbox where I lost my link. Xbox game. Oh boy. I'm sorry. I'm get here right for you. Link here. Redfall, Ravenlock, and more. Yeah, Redfall. Yeah. So for Xbox Game Pass, Redfall you know, is the game everybody's complaining about. Yeah, but you can get it for. <laughs> yes. So you can. It can break your system for free. <laughs> yeah, I think I should look this up. Is I here's the thing. So Xbox. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Red. What's it called? Redfall. This is the 
open world uh, shooter vampire game um, has not gotten good reviews. I think would be the way to put oh, it. It's um, a, it looks. I've only seen ca- screen yeah. captures and videos. It looks really broken, bad. Oh yeah, it's supposed to be. I wish it was. Well, I guess it is. So I guess what you could do, fortunately, it's you can stream it with Xbox Cloud Gaming. So if you have an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscription, you could at least see what it's like without having to sit through the download. That's then, actually a good idea. That's, yeah, and that's I feel like they get it. I think they're going to fix it over time. I think I think they're going to they'll do right by it. Um, it's not like one, they could make it worse, right? <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely true. Uh, the other game's not super interesting, although Shadowrun Trilogy is kind of interesting. Um, but these are RPGs, if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, not to be confused with. It was a Shadowrun game. I don't know if anyone remembers this, but probably 2006, 2008, somewhere in there. It was a cross-platform game where you could actually play between uh, Xbox, probably 360, I guess, at the time, and PC. Vista. No, in yeah. Vista. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember. It was an okay game. It was a shooter. I think it was a third, third-person third shooter. I, I yeah, it was sort of first-person, third-person kind yeah. of. It was okay. You, you flip the back view. Yeah. It was okay. And then... Yeah, they've always tried. Many times they've attempted to make these games that go between console and PC. It's not yeah. always a good idea. And there yeah, was, then it's there getting there. I would say, we're it's getting there now. Finally, you know, it yeah. took them twenty years, I guess. Uh, it's, it's hard, you know. Games yeah. advantage one device form factor over another. I will say, uh, Call of Duty does cross-plat now, which I don't like that you can't mm-hmm. turn it off. So it's Xbox, PlayStation Five, and um, PC. PC. Yep. And when there's a guy hopping around like a madman who's killing everybody, it's he's always on PC. And he's uh, always on PC. That's, yeah. That's because he's got a better video card than either yep. than any, any of you. Yeah. He's got a lower ping. Like it's yep. and that's the usual. I know. That's right. why we don't want it. And yeah. um or you or it's a control intensive game, right? There are games that that are meant for keyboard. Yep. And it's re and the controls when you get them into console devices are just wonky. No, I I, they do something to try to make it fair. And I, I, to me, fair means hand him a controller and we'll see what's up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, cause that will be a different story, but yeah, uh, I'm pretty happy being just a member of the PC master race. It's a lot simpler. <laughs> the, and the Xbox consoles right. for playing Netflix. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, not huge news, but Microsoft has an Xbox game pass friend referral offer, which is exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Um, you played Xbox. You think you have friends? Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, I'll just that's say why um, they can offer this. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Let's, let's see if, if you have friends. If I had friends, I wouldn't have to refer anything. <laughs> um, yeah. Five friends make it five thousand. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, as part of their fourth quarter earnings, fourth quarter fiscal fourth quarter, so first quarter calendar quarter. Um, Sony revealed that they sold a record high 6.3 million PlayStation 5 units in the quarter. Wow. A total of 19.1 million in the fiscal year and a total of 38.4 million since they launched. That's good. That's actually really good. $3 billion worth of PS5s. Yeah. And this is uh, during a time frame when there were severe supply constraints. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, That's lessening, obviously, recently. Um, Now, Here's where things get a little, I don't think so, but um, they're, they made a comment, they, I don't know, someone from PlayStation said, you know, we're going to keep accelerating the penetration of PS5. Uh, we want the sell-in for this current fiscal year to be 25 million units, which would be incredible. Mm. 
and the highest ever for any PS console in history. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe. Um, I can say with certainty that this thing will never be the best-selling PlayStation of all time. In fact, it won't even no. be in the top two, but and maybe not even in the top three. But it's, but you know what? Given the way things are going, and given that these consoles were um, uh, launched in the middle of a pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, and then launched with severe constraints, like I said, pretty good. Plus, yeah. Microsoft hardware revenue fell thirty percent in the same quarter. By the way. Um, Xbox hardware, I should say. Uh, so that's, you know, we don't know the numbers for Microsoft, but, um, they didn't fall 30% to more than 6.3 million units. I can tell you that. So Sony's doing pretty good given all things considered. Yeah. PlayStation five consoles in stock in Canada, Best Buy, 650 bucks Canadian. Wow. I think, um, boy, that's a lot of money though. I think what might put ps5 over the top and this is not necessarily a problem that microsoft has right now one of the few is uh those things are humongous <laughs> you know yeah, they are it's like uh the dock lord's tower or something sitting over there next to your uh tv they need to do a uh size well, s- shrunk um, you know where, like a small they remember what they did with playstation right i mean they yeah. got they all of those units they got smaller yep i wonder they, the other thing they Maybe. run hot too yeah, yeah and that's one of the reasons yeah. they're so big they need more cooling surface but i wonder also if the sub and when I look at the design, I think this is the case. The subconscious message is it's it's practically a PC. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like it looks PC. like a piece of like Cylon hardware. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. It's yeah, very strange. For, I, I kind of for a guy I've, who likes. I've gotten used to. It. I like. Yeah. I like yeah. my. I like rack mounting my gear, and that's like yeah. anti rack mount. Well, you can't rack mount it, but. No, no, I like the yeah, I like the style of the play of uh, the um, Xbox Series S and X. I mm-hmm. I think those are both. Really I think nice. people who have them don't mind that yeah. they are that big, or even having them show off and next to the TV. Sure, that's the statement pieces. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. okay. And I and honestly think that they would like to give you the impression you have a gaming PC. There that's, you go. That's just really a con. Looks like a yeah. console. Yeah, it's an easy way to do that. It's a gaming PC. Get a gaming PC, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Uh, we are going to do the tip, the pick, and some brown liquor. Uh, finally, an Irish you recommend? Oh, I have plenty of Irish I like. Oh, but okay. the Irish, I've I'm, I really enjoyed assembling the Irish story. But let's get there. Yeah, How quick would yeah, the yeah. Canadian whiskey version of this be? Do you think about three uh, minutes? All of them get shorter now that you know <laughs> sort of the fundamentals, man. I think I'm going to do the Canadian one in the context of prohibition because it affected so much. Tell the Certainly. story of George the Sixth. Why don't you yeah, yeah, yeah. start? We'll go, we'll start with there. the Georges. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, but you know, I drive I, every time I go up to the coast. I drive past Smuggler's Cove, and yeah, Smuggler's yeah. Cove was about smuggling booze. Yeah, like, that's oh, what yeah. it was about. I like we that. Have, that's a place where you live, and not a place that's in Disney World. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> we have a, uh, a a local family restaurant's been there forever. Well, literally, because it has a plaque out front that says uh, this. This was a speakeasy during Prohibition. And when you go to the bar, it's way in the back, kind of hidden. And I can imagine a door there that you'd... What's the password? Uh, it was a speakeasy. It was the place you went yeah. in Petaluma if you wanted to uh, drink in the in the uh, nice. Prohibition era, the 30s. Mm-hmm. Our show today, there's no prohibition against you, my friend. You becoming a member of the fabulous club Twit. We would love you to join. I, you know... <laughs> Originally, when we created Club Twit, seven bucks a month, 
<laughs> There's an Irish whiskey for you. <laughs> Seven bucks a month. I was just uh, confused by that. As our, well. our thought was uh, people want ad-free versions of the shows, and we'll give it to them ad-free, tracker-free. Uh, you get a special feed just for you that has, you know, whatever shows you want. But then we realized there could be more to Club Twit. We uh, we thought, well, let's set up a Discord that's dedicated to uh, members because that was kind of an easy feature to implement. And that turned out to be kind of, in my mind, one of the best things about Club Twit was this place we could all hang out and um, and talk about Hololens in the in the field. I don't know what that picture is. Is that a Hololens? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Anyway, um, hmm. but you know, animated gifs, uh, conversations, not just about the shows. But about every topic under the sun that geeks might be interested in, beer, wine, and cocktails, you bet. Coding, comics, crypto, current affairs, and that's just the C's. Hacking and hardware and travel and tech. And it's uh it's a it's my favorite social community. I really love this social network because it's all Club Twit members. We do put together events just for Club Twit. Alex Wilhelms uh, Ask Me Anything is May eleventh, coming up, just a few days. Uh, of course, we have shows that are only in the club, like Home Theater Geeks, The Return of Scott Wilkinson. We, you know, we had to cancel that show because the audience wasn't big enough to support advertising, and we couldn't afford to do it for free. But once Club Twits started up, that gave us the revenue to do things like this. That's where we launched This Week in Space. That's where we have Hands on Mac. Paul does Hands on Windows there. Uh, it is. It is a really. Oh, this is going to be a fun one, by the way. Coming up, they're starting to work on this after hours. <clears throat> We're going to do this at the Twit Studio on a Friday evening. Ant will be hosting, which means there will be brown liquor. And uh, everybody's just going to kind of hang out. Uh, that's going to be pretty amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Rod Pyle's going to have a fireside chat in July. So lots of we do these events. Thank you to Ant Pruitt, our community manager. Uh, we also have, as I said, special shows that don't appear anywhere else. And the ad-free version of the shows. That's a lot for 7 bucks a month. A buck less than a blue check on Twitter. I think that's a pretty good deal. Um, <laughs> and it and I want to say you'll also get that warm and fuzzy feeling that you're helping us keep the lights on and keep doing what we love to do. And so it's a way of you showing, uh, uh, you know, your support for the network. If you're interested, there's family plans, there's corporate plans, there's a yearly membership, and there's the base membership, which is seven bucks a month. Uh, they all basically cost that amount. Go to twit.tv slash club twit and, uh, and help us uh, keep doing what we love doing. And I hope you love listening to. And we thank all of our club twit members for making this possible. All right. Time for the back of the book. Paul Therott starts it with our tip of the week. Yeah. Uh, the, the hands-on Windows podcast that I do is in many ways a video version of the Windows 11 field guide, which is kind of interesting and fun. And um, I always, I wanted to do a, some video components and, you know, Lisa contacted me. It was good timing and all that kind of stuff. But I had just written uh, most of the command line section of the book. And the final chapter in that is a tool called um, Winget, which is the Windows Package Manager, which we talked about last week. Now, um, command lines are not for everybody, wimps, but fortunately, uh, there's a really good uh, GUI front end to Winget, which is um, creatively called Winget UI. And it literally does everything that Winget does. So if you're interested in this technology and this idea, this idea being a place where you can find 
download, install, manage, update, and then uninstall if you want apps on your on your computer. Um, this is this is kind of a good app. It also works with third party, or, or I should say, other package managers like Chocolatey on Windows, but so you can add multiple sources if you want. Um, but I like it as uh, as a front end to WinGet and what that does, and so that's pretty cool. One of the things that it does a couple of things that you can't do or can't easily do with WinGet from the command line. And one of them is you can actually keep everything up to date. So you can actually use this thing to you run it. It runs in the background, checks on whatever schedule. The default is actually once an hour, which might be a little aggressive. Um, and you can keep uh, all of the packages that you're monitoring up to date, uh, regardless of where they're from, which is kind of a neat thing. I mean, obviously, Microsoft Store apps have their own updating process. A lot of apps have their own internal updating process, uh, you know, like Chrome and web browsers do that. Um, but this is one way to do it from a central location. I will tell you, since I wrote this article, that um, the first week doing this is going to be a little painful because uh, depending on what you're doing with your PC, you might have uh, many, many packages, as they call them, apps, you know, on your system that need to be updated. And you're going to get a lot of notifications, but you can kind of go through it and determine, you know, which require admin access or which you don't want to work through the system, et cetera. So I'm only a few days into it. Honestly, it's working pretty well. So this is kind not of from a, Microsoft. This is somebody's. No, it's a third party. Yeah, it's just. Marty Clement. Yeah. 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 But it, do, it does everything you can do in Winget. It's uh, just a graphical front end. It's nice. Yeah. And because it's not from Microsoft, it supports Scoop and Chocolatey too, which is great. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I would be shocked if Microsoft, is, a lot of people sort of think this is what the Windows Store should become. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it wouldn't be surprising to me if they did something around those lines. But uh, the discovery yeah. alone probably makes it worthwhile because yeah. it's not easy necessarily to figure out what Winget. Yeah. Supports. Well, so yeah, for me, uh, so for example, one of the issues with Winget is uh, it doesn't, you have to check every once in a while and see if there are any updates. And then there, if there are, you have to say, okay, I want to update, you know, I want to upgrade, right? But the, the command line you have to type in to make sure that it actually gets everything is a little convoluted. It's, it's easy enough to type Winget upgrade. It's not hard. Winget upgrade all will work mm, some of the times, most of the times maybe. But if you really want to make sure it gets everything, there's actually an additional, um, flag or parameter or whatever it's called option uh which i don't know off the top of my head but that, and that's the problem right like i actually want this to be a fairly obvious thing to do so this is one way to do that it's just kind of just keep it happening in the background it's not, not a bad idea so that's cool um this is not really related to the windows world per se but Le and Leo referenced this earlier but uh google uh added passkey support to consumer google accounts today Hmm. Um, I'll just say I, I have installed it, so to speak, or added it to my, uh, my Gmail account just to kind of test it out. I do want to use this with my workspace account that's coming soon. Um, to me, the big disparity between Google and Microsoft accounts over the past uh, year, year and a half, whatever, is that uh, Microsoft accounts are, can be passwordless uh, out of the box now, which is nice. And you can also, even if you don't remove your password, you never actually have to type in a Microsoft account password. Uh, if you're using an authenticator app or whatever, you can type in your, you know, you're signing into Windows or an online service, whatever it is, type in your email address, sends a code to your phone, you select the right code, you do the authentication, it works. Um, Google account, you have to type in your Google account, username and password. It's like, what is this, 1999? Like, it's crazy. So I, I assume and expect that passkey support will mean that I will no longer have to type passwords. Uh, in on my Google account, we'll see. I mean, just yeah, no, I, I set it up. 
this morning I woke up and started yeah. reading Twitter at 4 a.m. and I immediately yep, as one does yep. <laughs> set yep. up. Sorry, did yep. I say Twitter? I meant Mastodon. Immediately... <clears throat> Whatever it was, yeah. <laughs> yep. Immediately set set it up, and yeah. So it's a little weird because um, it is a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically, my iPhone. So what they did is they store a key in the cloud. You have to kind of configure it on each device once. I think is the the weirdness to it, right? Well, if, yeah, and if you're using iCloud, then all your I, yeah. iOS devices get configured. But you want to okay. do it with something that does a biometric ID. Yes, that's so right. My I, so now, from now on, my login is just my face ID on my iPhone or my yeah, uh, which is nice. exactly what you yeah. yeah. And if uh, and I know Richard uses YubiKeys, it works. I use YubiKeys. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's it, kind of like having a YubiKey, except you don't do a password at all. It's like yeah. the, if the YubiKey right. did everything. Well, I just uh, my point is this is how Microsoft accounts have worked for a long time, right? And it's it's always been frustrating to me on the Google side that it doesn't work that way. But I, I, I'm thinking well, now Google's it does. Google's had I, single sign on, a la Microsoft Authenticator. This is yes, different. But, this is another. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. it's weird. The thing is, I don't get logged out of Google very often. See, I actually do. Oh, you do. So this would be a yeah. real advantage. And of course, people point out, the, well, yeah, what if I lose the phone with a right. YubiKey? I'm sure Richard. You well, have one at home or in a safe that's a backup. I have several. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So you got to understand, this is early days. So um, this thing is in addition to whatever, whatever other forms of authentication you've set up already on your Google account, right? So if you lose your phone, well, actually, you couldn't get an SMS or a, a 2FA code, I guess. But, I mean, you you still have you, – you can still – use like a backup i send a code to my other email account kind of thing like yeah you can you're gonna want to make sure you've mm-hmm. got yeah. these kind of backup yeah. you should already have that set up frankly set up. but yeah but yeah yeah right now it's another way to do it like one of the things you can do on a microsoft account that i did on a secondary account but not on my primary account is you can actually just remove the password like you don't you don't have to have a password on your microsoft account it's not needed Yikes. Um, on my primary account it's still there but i never use it and regardless even if i were to type it in I still have to do some kind of a two FA somewhere. Yeah. Um, I the I just like the fact that I never have to type it in. All you need to know is your email address. It's the best. And I'm hoping, like like I said, I just added it, so I'm gonna I, I need to really kind of test it. But I'm hoping that this does this for Google. So finally, and you know, here we go into our passwordless future. Yeah, um, finally, yeah, yeah. The fact that yeah. Google's kind of doing this is so. Uh, uh, obviously is I think going to help pass keys because other sites have it yeah. in theory, yeah. but I, I think this yeah. will kind of make it, this is the beginning of a mainstream pass yeah, keys, I think so. which is, I hope yep. going to happen. Yep. There are some good questions though, about the whole thing, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, sure are. Yeah. 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 yeah it's going to be a process, but um, yeah, I, 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 I can't test it super effectively until it's on my workspace account, but you know, that's, if you, if you use workspace, you know the problem. Uh, that's what everything everything happens like that. All right. Um, and then the app pick of the week, uh, this is kind of an oddball one because it's <laughs> they literally dumped Bing and now it's a pick. Um, so Brave Search, uh, I think some 10%-ish of their search results were based on uh, were coming out of Bing. And now uh, Brave Search has gotten rid of that and they are kind of marketing it as the first search service that's 100% independent of big tech because most search services have to use some combination, especially for a smaller player like DuckDuckGo or whatever. You have to have some combination of search results coming from some of the big players. And uh, they've, uh, say they've evolved to the point where the results are good. Um, you can actually opt into something where there's a fallback. And I think it falls back to Google, where if literally there aren't enough search results from them directly, 
yet is Google. Uh, they'll if you let it, you can you you have to opt into this. It will actually then use Google, and then it will anonymize the stuff and push it back through Brave Search, so it doesn't you know attach to you like a like an ad sucking creature <laughs> of some kind. Um, so okay, I, I I will say my I use Brave the browser. Um, I don't I don't like Brave Search enough to use it personally yet. Um, it's something I will continue experimenting with. Um, I know it's been improving pretty dramatically. I have a couple of friends who actually swear by DuckDuckGo, if you can believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, people do this stuff, but and it's, big, it's out there. Right? No, no, no. That's the point. It's not. Oh, that's it's not what, anymore. They, not dropped. Yeah, there's no, there's no Bing. It's Bing free. So if that's your kind of, uh, if that's what you're looking for and you don't want Google, uh, this is definitely an option. So I can't speak to its quality. So I understand Brave isn't. Is DuckDuckGo still Bing or not? Yeah, they use Bing. Yeah, yeah that's they what use Okay, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I use Neva, which is uh, also very Bing heavy. Bing oh, is, is it really? Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So Bing's okay. not bad. I don't mind having a. Yeah. Yeah, no, thing. actually, I, right, I, yeah, I, yeah. I Most agree. important I, is I need good search results. I, I, I there's yeah. a, I, I, well, Leo will probably appreciate this, especially. Uh, there's a part of me that likes that this kind of thing exists. I think these kind of um, smaller, preferably open, you know, whatever it is, solutions that don't rely on the three biggest companies in the world is maybe a healthy thing just for the Oh, ecosystem. I completely agree. I mean, the fact that Google's so dominant in search gives them immense power. They yeah. essentially determine for everybody what the internet is. Yeah, that's what right. you see. Yeah, yeah and that's not. Uh, I don't want to give that yeah. to any yeah, company. That's that's crazy. But that's yeah. But you that's know what? At least the regulators are stopping that Activision oh, yeah. Blizzard thing because that's oh, the yeah, real that's problem. The problem in our right there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so our, our at least we're, our safe. priorities are all straight. Everything's yeah. good. Yep. I'm not bitter. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I default to bitter, but that's fine. <laughs> Run as radio this week is all about AI. Yeah, for better or worse. Uh, I mean, this is basically a phone call we were having anyway and decided we better ought to record it. <laughs> right, right? record it. We were just, uh, the, you, I have this guy on the show this week. His name's, uh, what is it? Uh, Paul something. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we were, yeah, we, we've been debating on this show and elsewhere about uh, the impact of large language models. I'm being slowly driven into doing talks on this stuff too, and I'm not happy about it. But, you know, funny when you start pulling all the bits and pieces together. So we had the conversation. It's like, well, what is, what is this going to do for us uh, IT folk? How is it going to impact us? Uh, Where is it going to appear? I think we ended up spending a lot of time more than anything on the co-pilot for M365. Just because that affects most workers or will affect most workers, which means it's certainly going to be a big impact on the sysadmins trying to administer and, and keep control of things. I, I wish we we could have talked more about the security uh, side of Copilot, but there's nothing to talk about except the fact, you know, sort of this acknowledgement yeah. that most security people in most shops are part-timers. And those that's, this is exactly the kind of tool they needed, something that gives them guidance for what should I be paying attention to? Where are we at right now? What do I implement next? Like all of that I thought was very compelling. So if you're this looking is, for a liquor-free version of Windows Weekly, <laughs> then that would be – and notice, by the way, it's only 38 minutes. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is which is long for a run as you know. Is really? the fat. Is yeah, you cut me off. I was going to keep going. Oh man, yeah. Paul's used to a lot more room. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I need a bigger runway I than this. Scoosh more room in my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just flying along. That's why but, we made uh, Windows Weekly. 
Yeah, it's a fun conversation. Runasradio.com, show 878. Featuring Indeed. some guy named Paul. Some guy named Paul. And I think we should talk about Redbreast. We were, um, you know, my my brother-in-law, Uncle mm-hmm. Joe, is a uh, Irish uh, whiskey guy. And I actually kind of yeah. thought Irish whiskey wasn't good until he showed, you know, gave me oh, some. I, I like said, Irish this is good. I love Middleton. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so... We wanted to give him a gift on his birthday a few months ago. Lisa went to the BevMo, as one does, and they said, you should uh, take a look at this red breast. Yep. And it Can't was wrong. great. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you how it was different from other uh, age-recognized whiskeys. But we need to go back, because the Irish will be the first to tell you they invented this stuff. That's uh, true. Now, That's remembering true. That, that all of these cereal products are actually products from the Mideast, going back to the Assyrian Empire and the Fertile Crescent and all that good stuff. So actually, the, the strongest evidence seems to be somewhere in the 10th to 12th century, monks traveling back from the Mediterranean brought early, or not really early, but alambic stills, the simplest kind of, of still made of copper that was good for distilling alcohol from grain in very small scales. And so uh, th- that kind of be kicked off the business that exists uh, in Ireland first. Um, but there's lots of hooks and twists around that. So the first licensed distillery in the Western world, uh, 1608, in the northern part of Ireland, uh, in the district called Bushmills, and uh, part that that location still has a distillery on it. It's obviously burned down a couple of times along the way. It's called the Old Bush Mills Distillery. Now that doesn't necessarily mean they were making whiskey. Then whiskey was made the whole time. I mean, the bottom line was people who had excess grain and needed to do something with it would use these little stills to to make an alcohol from that. It was a good way to uh, to store those remains and have some results. Um, but the original sort of moonshine of Ireland is called Pochin, P-O-I-T-I-N, Pochin. And it is uh, jet fuel, right? It's it's a clear alcohol uh, before you've done any aging in barrels and so forth. So inexpensive to make, simple, and it's so stunningly common uh, and arguably still is to some degree that it's like everybody had a grandma who made Pochin. Now, we, and so in 1608, when they did the original licensing, this was the idea that now it was going to be a taxable product. And so they had this idea of Parliament versus Pachin whiskey. And so naturally, once you're going to play taxation games, uh, you get rules in place. And so by 1661, Pachin is outlawed. No personal alcohol anymore. Uh, I, I come to appreciate, as I've been working, assembling this history to realize that as the Industrial Revolution started applying to alcohol and it became a bigger business, all of the experiments in taxation, they happened here. You know, everything that you can do wrong with taxing, this whole, you know, taxation without representation and so forth, yeah, this all happened here. So, you know, fast forward 100 or so something years, in the late 1700s, there are literally thousands of distilleries in Ireland. They've declared them all, but everybody's making whiskey their own way. They're all different. There's no standards of any kind. And so uh, new rules are brought in place. Now, to be clear, this is the English trying to control the Irish, right? And a part of this entire dynamic is the conflict between the English and the Irish. And so while there may have been a 
1,200, 1,300 distilleries in 1779. By 17, uh, as soon as these regulations started to be put in place, the distilleries start vanishing. They don't actually vanish. They just stop talking about them. Uh, the Pachin's still well underway. And in 1785, in order to come up with a new way to tax whiskey, the English instituted a tax on malted barley. And so the, this is the, now you have the rules where you have to malt a particular way. It takes a certain amount of space, so it's always obvious. And based on the weight of the malted barley you have, you pay a tax on top of that. And the Irish response of that, it was to use less malted barley. In fact, one of the distinctive aspects of Irish whiskey to this day is that they use both a, com- a combination of both malted barley and unmalted barley. So they didn't germinate it. And that really comes from this taxation behavior 150 years ago. 250 years ago. So, uh, and funny, oddly enough, that law, when written, said, oh, by the way, don't use unmounted barley. Yeah, they didn't worry about that part, not at all. So by the early 1800s, 1821 or so, there were down to less than 30 distilleries left in Ireland. Uh, the, the industry is largely being strangled. It's gone completely underground. Uh, and so the taxation rules are sort of lifted to allow things to expand. And that takes us to the most seminal event, I would argue, in whiskey making as a whole. And we've talked about this previously in the Scottish sections uh, when Aeneas Coffee developed the coffee still. So he was actually a whiskey tax man. So he, he was able to observe a lot of distilleries as he was collecting duties and taxes in lots of different places. And so he uh, there were already versions of column stills at the time, but he came up with a column still that was very, very heat efficient. And it, it's amazing to me to think in terms of this is 1830. So like James Watt's original steam engine is only a few decades old at this point. Like the industrialization of alcohol making is still pretty new. And I mean, we talked about it a little bit when we were doing the Scottish section about well, how important the coffee still was. But the big thing was not only that it was continuous production, that you're always feeding wort into the top and alcohol's coming out of the other side, but that it used steam for heating. The alcohol explosions largely came from the fact that you were putting fire underneath of a pot of uh, of mash that was being turned into alcohol vapors, and then sometimes they catch fire and big <laughs> bad things possibly happen. Possibly go wrong. And so one of the key aspects of 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 Aeneas's coffee still was that the boiler's in a different building, and you're piping the steam into this double column still assembly to safely heat it at a controlled rate and to be able to extract the alcohol uh, efficiently and continuously. So here's the kicker. Aeneas comes up with this unbelievably efficient, continuously running still that maintains thermodynamics effectively, makes a better, higher distillate alcohol with less effort. The Irish won't use it. It goes totally against the style of the way they're making whiskey. They do pot distillation, where you have a large copper uh, pot sort of pear shape that you load the mash in it, the, the the wart into and then heat slowly and up and it refluxes on the walls of the copper uh, of the copper still until eventually out the lye arm into the condenser you know who does use it the scottish the scottish build tons of them under license and they start distilling with the thing that the coffee still does brilliantly is it distills grain rather than malt so they start cutting their whiskey 
50, 60% grain alcohol, which drops the price by 75%. This is the original blended whiskeys. And so they dominate the market. It's the least expensive whiskey. It still tastes good. It's made incredibly efficiently. It takes less time to produce. And so the, the, the Irish market is now being crushed to the point where the Irish decide, we need to fix this with branding. And up until this point, whiskey was spelt without an E. In fact, the branding exercise in Ireland was that fought back e. against this That's was adding the E. They added an Internet Explorer E. That's, That's what, that yeah. was their solution. Yeah, that was it. They added the E. And that was the key. You know, they're, they're like, we're not going to fix our process. We're right. not going to come up with a more efficient way to wave whiskey. We're going to add an E. That's really funny. I was wondering yeah. about that spelling difference. That's hysterical. so. That's the spelling difference comes out of this. The the Scots starting to dominate the market, which they will do again. Uh, but because the Irish are doing well, they are selling into the UK. Uh, they also selling extensively in America until um, the World War One. The the reels really come off in World War One. It's not just the war itself, which is the original industrialized war. Like we've been talking about this growth and industrialization of of whiskey making, but then you have the industrialization of war um, followed immediately after the war by the Irish war of independence, where they, they fight back and get their independence from it, uh, from England, which they succeed in doing. It takes a few years, but also closes that market for them in the process. So they can't sell Irish whiskey into, into the UK anymore, followed by U S prohibition, 12 years of, of no, no selling alcohol in the U S. So once again, the Scottish market, gets completely devastated. Um, the Scottish market grows because the Scots happily learned how to smuggle in a big old hurley. And they build out, and again, we talked about this in the Scottish section where there were groups of folks that actually started buying ships and, and dropping alcohol off in Canada and getting across the borders in various ways. And so at the grimmest period of the Irish whiskey manufacturing period is by the 1960s. So post-war restitute, uh, post-World War II recovery, and there are really only two functional distilleries left anywhere in Ireland. There's the old, uh, um, the old Middleton distillery, which is actually the Jameson distillery outside of Cork, yep. and there's the Bushes distillery up in the north. So I've actually, have you been to both those? I have. Yeah, I've been to the Jameson one. Yeah. And so they, the, there's actually three entities. Jameson makes a deal with the Cork Distillers and John Powers, and they form one entity. It's like to stay alive. They call it the Irish Distillers Group. And pooling their money, they they decide to build one new distillery. This is how they're going to they're going to make all the whiskeys in the same place, operating more efficiently. And that is what we now know as the New Middleton Distillery, uh, which opened in 1975. And at the time was one of the largest distilleries ever built in the world. Where typical pot stills at the commercial grade in in Scotland were five thousand to six thousand liters, and today your sort of uh, lightweight, small, custom boutique maker will be about fifteen hundred liters. These were seventy five thousand liter pot stills. These pot stills were they spanned across multiple floors in a building. They were absolutely titanic. But they were also now a monopoly, right? There was one group running the distillery. They made a bunch of different products. They were now buying up the bankrupted brands of the other. So there was plenty of remains of distilleries around. In fact, there still are to this day, but they would scoop up the various brands. And this is where you get all of these different names like 
red breast and green spot and all of the, they all got consolidated under this Irish distillers, which ultimately was bought by the French group Pernod, the same guys who own Chivas Regal. Uh, but coming into the eighties, whiskey becomes hipper. And I would actually lay this at the feet of the Americans more than anything. You know, when we talk about the, the, the wave upward of whiskey, the, the distinctive thing that makes whiskey whiskey is that you take a clear distillate alcohol and you age it in wood. But wood is expensive and hard to come by until the Americans start making a lot of bourbon and they institute an important rule, which is you only get to use the barrel once. And so America, with its huge amounts of oak forests, is now making tons of barrels, using them once, and they need a market for them. And the Scots buy them, and so do the Irish. And so all whiskey industry ascends because of this, this explosion in availability of barrels. And so by the 1980s, we start to see new distilleries opened up, like the Cooley Distillery, which is up in the Northeast and makes a number of well-known products. And then in 1997, they actually officially legalized Pachin. It's essentially what we know in America as white dog, just unbarreled uh, grain whiskey. And so by 2013, so the, literally now we're in the modern times already, we're up to five registered distilleries now. There's the Kilbegan Distillery, which I had an opportunity to tour. The original was opened in 1757 and shut down in 1957, and then now is reopened Reopened in 2007. We're starting to get their lines up again. The new Middleton Distillery, which is still there, but has been expanded. These are the guys who make Jameson, Telemer Dude, Red Breast, all of the spots. That's the green, the yellow, the blue, and the red. Um, out in the West Coast, Dingle had a, a distillery. They Cooley, which is in the Northeast, that's Connemara, and they reopened the old Bushmills Distillery in the nor in north of Belfast. In the literally in the Bushmills County. The declaration of the standards of Irish whiskey only came in 2016. So it, they've only really modernized their approaches to things uh, by saying, okay, it has to be matured and distilled in Ireland, uh, whether that doesn't matter whether it's Republic or North Ireland, same diff, uh, that you, you uh, have to have some kind of malt, although there's a bunch of ways to do that. They talk about sacrification, fermented by yeast, Distilled to no higher than 94.8%, which is bloody high. Uh, only water and perhaps caramel color added to it. At least three years in wooden casks. Uh, finished ABV of 40% or above. And with a few different varieties defined. So what makes Irish whiskey distinct? Now, in the earlier days of Irish whiskey, they would use whatever grain they could land their hand on. I have seen mash bills that had like oats in it. But today, the defining aspect of Irish whiskey is or what they typically call pot still whiskey is a combination of malted barley and unmalted barley. That is uh, that is distilled in a pot still with reflux and then uh, is, uh, is aged in wooden barrels for at least three years although it typically won't have an age statement on it, although the same rules, the age statement has to be uh, that, that much, but it's also distilled three times. So where the Scots are malted barley only, twice distilled, the Irish are malt and unmalt, triple distilled, but otherwise aged in barrels. Uh, well, by the way, in the regulations for 2016, they say the E is traditional, but not required. So, yeah, 
typical uh, of the these kinds of whiskeys is the red breast. I think red breast 12 represents, it looks like a Scottish whiskey, but the distinction is it's 50-50 of malted and unmalted barley. I mean, why does, so why does this make a difference? Malted barley means you've germinated it, right? You've essentially used the plant itself to begin to break down the sugars. And they actually, the way that barley does that with this, is with an, an enzyme called amylase. So when you add water and a bit of time and temperature, the amylase comes out of the seed and begins to break the carbohydrates into simpler sugars, which makes it easier to extract. Unmalted barley, it's still combined that way. But there's other ways for us to induce sugar release. You can do it with heat and pressure. So you can cook the grain a bit, and that will help break the sugar down. You can also introduce other uh, enzymes that help break those sugars down. But the difference is in the flavor. You get a grainy, a different kind of grain flavor from old malted barley than you get from malted barley. Either way, you're lifting a lot of that flavor out because you do tend to distill it quite a bit higher than the Scottish uh, distillery processes do. And then you're aging it typically for less time. It is unusual to have age statements on Irish whiskeys. Most Irish whiskeys you see don't have it. Red breast being one of the exceptions that 12 is the youngest thing in their in their bottle when they actually bottle it. Uh, you can find this in America today fairly easily. It is about $55 and it is aged in a combination of bourbon and Oloroso sherry casks. So very much a Speyside style whiskey just made with the Scottish pattern of a mixture of malt and unmalt and triple distillation. And it's quite good. I might, Delicious. This is, I might add. <laughs> this so, is possibly I, only the second one you've recommended I can buy in the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Well, there you go. That might be true. <laughs> yeah, they have so this in Bevmo. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. And, and I try to make sure I'm finding a whiskey that people have a chance to buy. I think it's very – I can always pick you a whiskey you can't find. Right. Um, <laughs> years ago, Carl and I were doing a .NET Rocks tour across uh, Ireland, as you do. And we were <laughs> yep. in Dublin. And uh, uh, we were meeting a friend of his, a musician friend of his, and he had brought some Angel's Envy, some American bourbon with him to give to his friend as a gift. Nice thing to do. And we arrived early, as we are prone to do when it involves a bar, and uh, found ourselves some Red Breast 12. So we were very happy sipping away at that. And his friend arrived, and we gave him the gift, and we had a nice chat. And he's sipping his Guinness and watching us out of the corner of his eye. He was very concerned, actually. And finally, I mean, after an hour or two of us steadily yep. drinking Red Breast, he says, well, God you, bless you, you gonna boys. Walk? Yeah. yeah. Bless you, boys. I don't know how you drink the brown liquor like that. And it's like, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean. He says, oh, no, I can't well, drink the brown liquor. Makes me fight. Uh, I love it. And I'm like, well, look, give us give us back the angels. Of me. So, oh, well, not. Right. That's very great. nice. Yeah. Red breast. It says right on the label. Single. I feel pot, like Irish still, whiskey you know is. What that means. Um, you can, I feel like you can almost always tell when a whiskey is an Irish whiskey. Is that? Oh yeah. Well, if, especially true? if I mean, it's a pot still whiskey, because that there's it'll have that grain flavor to it, which is fairly distinct. Yeah, it has a they, distinct. There is a declared version of Irish whiskey called a single malt, which is straight malted barley, and then there are a sing, you'll see single grain, which means they're not using any malt or they're using a minimal amount of malt. Uh, the days of complex mash bills seem to have gone by. I remember reading about these years ago where they were doing grain and wheat and rye and oats and so yeah, forth. But yeah. mostly that's been eliminated by just barley processing is simpler. There's lots of 
challenges when you start to mix mash bills that that complexly. And corn's not that cheap in in um, in Ireland, so it's not a great grain to choose the way it is in America, where corn is very very cheap. Ladies and gentlemen, you have received the received wisdom from the man, the myth, the scotch drinking legend, <laughs> Mr. Richard Campbell. Runnersradio.com for the Runners Radio podcast and his other show, .NET Rocks, from beautiful Coquitlam, British Columbia, from McCungie, that this weekend. McCungie, mm-hmm. PA, down the road from Murder Dogs. It's Paul Therott. Bad dogs. Oh, speaking of which, they're, re- they're going to stay open. New owner. Yay. Yeah, they they sold it. Yep. How much yep. does a hot dog stand go for in McCungie, I wonder? I'd probably $1,700. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a really good hot dog stand. It is. Paul Therott is at therott.com, T-H-U-R-R-O-T-T.com. Become a premium member. You get some great extra material. I highly recommend it. Uh, he also has a good book called The Field Guide to Windows 11 including Windows 10 wrapped in uh, at leanpub.com. Also his new book, Windows Everywhere, uh, which is what the kind of the history of Windows and Mm -hmm. Windows languages and all. It's a really interesting read. Two great books. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, uh, Richard. We do uh, the show every Wednesday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern time. That's 1800 UTC. You can watch or listen live as we do it at live.twit.tv. But if you're doing that, you should chat live with us. There's an open to all IRC, irc.twit.tv. Your web browser worked just fine. Uh, you can also, if you have uh, a Club Twit membership, join us in the Discord. After the fact, on-demand versions of the show available at the website, twit.tv slash dub dub. Uh, you can also uh, click there uh, on that page. You'll see there's a YouTube link. That's the dedicated YouTube uh, site for Windows Weekly. There's also uh, links to various podcatchers and an RSS link too if you want to add it to your podcast client. I would do that. That way you get it uh, automatically as soon as it's done uh, on Wednesday afternoon. Paul, Richard, thank you so much. Great show. And you, uh, you. we'll see you next week, all you winners and dozers on Windows Weekly. Bye-bye. Hey folks, I'm Ant Pruitt. And what do you get your favorite tech geek that has everything a Club Twit gift subscription, of course. Twit podcasts keep them informed and entertained with the most relevant tech news podcasts available. With the Club Twit subscription, they get access to all of our podcasts ad-free. They also get access to our members-only Discord, access to exclusive outtakes, behind-the-scenes, and special content such as AMAs, which I just love hosting, plus exclusive shows such as Hands on Mac, Ends on Windows and the Untitled Linux Show. Purchase your geek's gift at twit.tv slash club twit and it will thank you every day. <laughs>